Hello, another Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. It's a good one. We can't thank you enough for listening. Go ahead and be a friend. Tell a friend. Say, hey, Tuesday, November 17th. It's the 17th already. That's crazy. 2020. Not a bad episode of the Pat McAfee Show 2.0. Yes, Aaron Rodgers is on, and it's a great conversation. But also, Matty Prater's on. Mm Mm-hmm. Nick Chubb. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I mean, this is a packed show. The only thing we could hope is if you enjoy this show, to be a friend, tell a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you don't enjoy this show somehow, uh, which does happen, I know there's a lot of people that potentially hate me and uh, choose to listen to the show for whatever reason. Just don't tell anybody. Yeah. Piss off. Hey, take a hike, pal. Uh, other than that, we appreciate you allowing us to penetrate your ear holes. Let's get to it. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about what happened last night on Monday Night Football on ESPN. The Minnesota Vikings went into Chicago as three and a half point favorites. The entire Monday Night Countdown crew picked the Minnesota Vikings to win. We thought for sure that was going to be a curse to the Vikings, but instead what we found out is what we always thought. That Chicago Bears offense is potentially... The worst offense in the history of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Great defense, great special teams, but nothing on the offensive side of the ball could move. A 104-yard kickoff return by Cordero Patterson. Congratulations for being tied for the most NFL kickoff touchdowns in NFL history. Yeah. A pick by Khalil Mack that puts him into plus territory. A great punt return that puts him into uh, plus territory. And still, they can do absolutely nothing with it. I believe they had like 17 yards or something in an entire fourth quarter. The Chicago Bears, a team that has a pretty good-looking record at the moment. And by pretty good, I mean it's getting worse and worse by the week. But they have more wins than they probably should. That team is dysfunctionally terrible. What's going to happen after this season? Because now Nick Foles is hurt. Trubisky is hurt. They're playing a guy. They might be trying to sign Gary Gilbert if, before it comes too long up there in Chicago. And on the flip side, the Minnesota Vikings have gotten hot. They have figured out how to play the football. They were playing against a completely inept offense, but to have that happen, that means the defense has to ball out, which they did. The offense. Now, Dalvin Cook didn't get going really until Akeem Hicks was out, but that's not their fault. He gets out he picks up an extra 57 yards basically in one quarter. Kirk Cousins threw a dime to Adam Thielen who made a one-handed catch while falling, spinning the ball as if he was a bartender with a bottle. Spins it on his chest so he can get a better grip on it. Go ahead, clamps it down like a white claw to his chest and scores a touchdown. There's a lot to like about that Vikings team last night, but I think the story of the day will be that there's a lot to hate about that Chicago Bears team. It doesn't matter if Matt Nagy is calling plays, some guy I've never heard of is calling plays. Who cares? It doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. For some reason, they can't move the rock up there. And I'll tell you what, Zito, Chicago Bears fans do not deserve it. They do not deserve the ineptitude on the offensive side of the ball because you see Cordero Pat Patterson take that to the house against a team that drafted him first overall and then told him to get the fuck out. You thought, like, okay, the defense, Khalil Mack on ESPN, they were like, there is rumors that Khalil Mack is fed up with the Chicago Bears. Mm -hmm. Chuck Pagano was even asked about it, and Chuck Pagano said, listen, we'll see what message Khalil Mack wants to send to the world on Monday night. He gets a pick, gets some pressures, so maybe he's playing football, but at what point, if you're anybody on that team other than the offense, do you go, come the fuck 
on, guys. This is two years in a row. Last year, the Chicago Bears defense, people were talking about being historic and about halfway through the season, which is where we're about at right now. They got so fed up with the offense thinking it was obvious that they were not giving as much effort as they were in the beginning. Now, should they do that? No. Okay? Mm-mm. You you don't have to play in the NFL. You get to play in the NFL. Hell yeah. Pay to win the game. That also in there, not really with what I was going with, sorry, but yeah, you, you, there's a million people that would love to have your jobs in the NFL. That's right. If you're on that Chicago Bears defense, you're living out your own dream. You have to have respect for the game. You have to give 100% effort every single play. That is a real thought and one that should be taken seriously. But then if you look at what the offense does with how good the defense plays, you can see how every once in a while some of the defensive players for the Bears say, God damn it, maybe I'm not going to run the extra sprint or two that I would run after a win. Wednesday practice or Thursday practice because I know if we don't hold this team to less than 10 points we have no chance of winning it's a very interesting conversation about what's going to happen in Chicago uh, is Nagy gone is Pace going to be gone they have enough wins where they're not going to be high enough in the draft to really get somebody that could be a potential entire franchise changer will they trade for a quarterback they already did that with Nick Foles and they didn't announce him to be a starter until halfway through the season really or, or a couple games in a season and it hasn't really gone that well I mean what are they going to do in Chicago it seems like one big question mark is here again. And just a few years ago, if you if it wasn't for a blocked field goal, they make a real oh, run in the God. NFC in the NFC. This is a tough time to be a Bears fan. Watching that last night, you had to think to yourself at Viva Lazito, our resident Chicago Bears fan. Thank you. you had to think, wow, not only is this an incredibly boring game of football, our team stinks at football. Well, and the defense was amazing frustrated. though. You can't say that was boring. Well, anytime defense is amazing, normally fans will be like, okay, this is boring because the offense isn't really doing anything. But if you're a Bears fan, you watch that defense and there's a lot of pride in that. (laughs) But the offense, every time, you were a Mitchell Trubisky guy until you were a Foles guy because you're just. Never never turn my back on Mitch ever. I still said he's the chosen one. Yeah, but. Which he isn't, but the. the, You said, hey, whoever's quarterback, I'm going to support. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter who's a quarterback. Oh, it seems like it's a much bigger issue on that offense. Well, can we blame Pace for all this though? Because he still <laughs> he still got this whole entire defense, right? Yeah, this is like defensive Jerry, mind, right? Like hey, he's still very good at that point. 50, in Chicago, of his job he's good at. In yeah. Chicago, <laughs> by the way, in Chicago, you guys had Krause there, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and Kraus was the one that wanted to tear down oh, the Bulls a little bit too early. Oh, yeah. uh, and they said, like you know, like this is the bad guy. He also built that team, though, right? Mm-hmm. He built the team up. He brought in the coach. It's like has Pace built the team up? I guess on the defense side, boy, he has, yeah. makes that big move for Khalil Mack, pays him $100 million or something like that as a defensive end, which was awesome at the time for Khalil Mack. He's immediately an impact player. A little bit of a run happens, and then since then, it's all been downhill. I don't, hey, that game, congrats to the Minnesota Vikings. Congrats. Mm-hmm. Good work. Minnesota congrats. Vikings. It's hard to go on the road in the NFC North and get a dub, especially right. against a defense like that. Uh, congrats to the Vikings going on a run. And whenever we talk to Thielen, Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, they all had the same mentalities. We got going to run here. You know, they started out in a hole. They they recognized it. They're going on a run right now. Good for the Vikings. Good for Monday Night Football. And good for us for not having to watch that game ever again. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Now, that Bears team, whenever you talk about how good the defense is, which they are good, by the way. Yeah. I think they are good. Uh, Dalvin Cook had 400 yards going into this week in the last couple weeks, and they held him to over – uh, the over-under, mm-hmm. uh, obviously. But it wasn't until late after Keen Hicks gets out there. But that defense is very good. It made me think back to that Broncos team whenever people were talking about, like, uh, you can't win if the offense is this terrible and defense is good. That Broncos team with our guy, Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. There was a run there during the season where they went on that miraculous playoff run where they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers oh, or yeah. whatever. During the season, I remember thinking, like, that defense might be – 
the best defense that has ever played because they were winning games and Tebow and the offense were scoring. Diggs has the stats. I have, I have where they have, they won games, 18, 15, 17, 10, 17, 13, 16, 13, 13, 10. So, wow. You know, it is, it is a feat that I would assume Chuck is talking to mm-hmm. the Bears defense. Like, hey, listen, I don't care what happens on that offensive side of the ball, okay? <laughs> they got Gary Gilbert. They got Nick Foles. They got Mitchell Trubisky. Even if Nagy wants to get in there and play quarterback, <laughs> if they don't score more than 10 points or 14 points, we win the game. And then people are going to find out quickly. It's like, that's probably wrong, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you were wrong in that thing. And that's probably the narrative that Chuck's probably trying to spin to the defense to keep them motivated. Because last year you saw – legitimate like I don't want to say fall off because the defense is still good but there was like oh the magical plays that are happening at the beginning of the season maybe aren't happening as often because potentially on Wednesday Thursday there isn't like the super duper film study because they know that there's no chance of winning on Sunday not saying they did that nobody's come out and said that but that just as a spectator watching that Bears team because of how inept the offense was last year uh, we talked about it every single week it was Mm -hmm. the story by the way on everything is how bad Mitchell Trubisky and Nagy had regressed from the season before how bad it's got because at one point Trubisky was the number three overall QBR in the NFL the year before that whenever they went on the run blocked field goal thunk, thunk. then they mm. Cody Parker didn't deserve all the hate then the next year last year they were so bad so it, was a, shit. it was a big talking point kind of watching it and it's like at what point does this defense say like we're fucking done with it too and you watched it happen like you watch it happen in the game is that going to happen this year Chuck has a tall task ahead of him but that Broncos team where they weren't on that mm. winning run with Tim Tebow I would assume that's something he's pulling out mm-hmm. as hey and then also the Ravens whenever uh, Trent Dilfer and yep. them won oh, the yeah. Super Bowl I would assume that those were some low scores uh, Chuck's probably like also this so that's the narrative he's got to push over there but if you're a Bears fan you have to like yeah. your poll what's your personal poll of the day at Viva Zito has oh. a personal poll oh, today no, first it's, not a, it's not a situational poll nope. it's not like a hey, focus group poll nope. this is a personal poll oh, first no. one that we've ever had yeah like you were saying it is a personal poll uh, didn't want to do this but are the Bears dead yeah. And then, uh, yep, is uh, winning by a lot, 93.2%. Nope. Oh, good God. 6.8. I would my say God. that's a lot. And it, 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 a lot. Sorry, and it felt idiot. like Bears fans realized. How many wins did the Bears have? Five? Yeah. 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 Oh, Five-win yeah. team right now, okay? And it feels like the entire world knows, like, that team might never win a game again. <laughs> that team right there might never win a game. And that's, I think, the big takeaway from last night. Would you, if, if he's healthy after the bye, would you go back to, Trubis- to Trubisky just because he adds an additional element of being able to run a little bit? <laughs> we'll rob the Chicago fans for sure. What's that? We'll get the Chicago fans back and going, I think, if you get Mitch back. Uh, he's got to win a game, I think. But you get an undefeated quarterback back in there, maybe. I have no idea what they're going to do. It'll be exciting to watch. I think that's the big storyline this year is what do they do. And then, obviously, with five wins, you're probably not going to be in the top five picks, probably, yeah. with five wins. So... Who knows what you're going to do in the draft either. Who, What free agents do you bring in? There's going to be some quarterbacks on the market. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, Dak Prescott is inside. Ooh. What's Dak Prescott going to be up to? You know, the Jameis Jim Winston. Winston. Here He's we go. Up, you know, Phil Rivers. <laughs> if the 18 playoff thing were to happen, they would be the eighth seed today. Oh, it'd be awesome. That. They're getting in. If they awesome. fire Nagy, you think Pagano's ready to step up? Oh, yeah. And those players would love Chuck as head coach, <laughs> by the way. It would be. And that's a good thing for the Bears is you have a guy who's been a head coach. And I'm not saying – uh, by the way, I think if you look at Chuck's head coaching record, the last season where they didn't, they had a quarterback brought in eight days before the thing, and I think that record is on his overall record as well. Chuck won a lot of games. We won yeah. a lot of games with Chuck as head coach. Now, I'm not saying like 
he he made the best decisions all the time, and I would assume that he's learned from that whole thing. But a lot of the head coaching, he's like, you're the CEO, so you got to like yeah. set up the day to day, the meeting times, the practice times, uh, hotel setup. You're like you. There's a lot more that comes across your table as opposed to just like what you're coaching. So I would assume just like when Bruce Arians came in, uh, whenever uh, Chuck was battling leukemia, yeah. he just basically did his same shit. He was just able to set the schedule for everybody, mm. but he was just on the offensive side. I don't think Chuck automatically. Goes into full head coaching role if that's the case, or maybe yeah. he does because I think you know a lot of Italians up there in Chicago. <laughs> oh yeah, Chuck loves you know just any Chuck would love I think being <laughs> yeah. head coach of the Chicago Bears. Hey, we get weather reports back too. Oh my God, listen, you guys, the Chicago press with Chuck Pagano. <laughs> oh my God, there's a rain forecast coming in. Remember, <laughs> uh, listen, there's rain. <laughs> I forget what the name was, Bavarian Pretzel. <laughs> he this one story he did. It was stand up, like because you know we were riding a wave there. Whenever he was our head coach, so things would be going really good. It's like all right, as a head coach, I think he was trying to feel out like what do I do when things are going really good, and then whenever things go really good, as soon as they go bad, like it's really bad, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like we're not used to this. How do we do this? So he's a big like, hey, we need to have swag. Listen, like, how do we get this swag back? So he would oh. take it upon himself, basically. And it was awesome. He's a showman. I enjoy. He is. He should be a stand-up comedian at some point. He he'll have a one-man show at some point. All the stories he's. I, I don't want to. I don't think he's ever talked about a lot of stuff. But his body has been through it. Like mm-hmm. he, he, oh, yeah. the things that have happened to his body, and then obviously leukemia and head coaching and this and football. He's been a part of so many things. He's back at the U when the U was the U. Mm. I mean, he recruited Reggie Wayne to yeah. Miami. I, I mean, there's like his. His one man show will be awesome because yeah. the energy. <laughs> what was that? You can't throw. Uh, you got to throw, throw a fist. Sometimes. <laughs> Awesome. Somebody, I forget who it was. It was like a rookie or something. He was talking about tackling him, and it was in a team meeting. And for some reason, whoever it was, they, like, broke down, and then they got shook. So it was like the J.K. situation, J.K. Scott situation, Mm -hmm. which is my exact tweet was uh, when J.K. Scott got shook there. It was a couple things. Coverage was terrible. Commentators chose not to even talk about that. Let's just blame the punter. Okay, bullshit. Let's go ahead and move on from that. But also – that guy was so close to J.K., like, at some point, you just got to throw your body. Like, mm-hmm. he shouldn't have been able to get shook because he should have been in the air flying at him. And if he misses him, by the way, you missed him anyway. Yeah. So yeah. it's like one of those mm-hmm. things. It happened to a corner. A corner came up, and he, like, was trying to dance with him or whatever, and the guy just shook him or whatever. And Chuck in the meeting like, with the laser pointing was like, at some point, you, know, you just got to throw. <laughs> if it's a fight, if it's a fight in an alley, at some point, you got to throw. Uh, Chicago media needs this. Yeah, that would be. He wasn't. I don't think he was appreciated enough here in Indianapolis yeah. for his just legendary entertainment value, which is a big deal whenever you're head coach, Riley, trying to keep people. Yeah. Yeah. Season gets long and repetitive. It's Groundhog's Day. But you get to be in the NFL, so every day you should wake up like you're living a dream. I get <laughs> Hell yeah. it. I get, Hell it. Yeah. I get yeah. it. I get it. For the shield. At Boston Connor. Um, What's up, dude? Uh, it sure feels like Matt Nagy is kind of falling into this Adam Gase category where everyone <laughs> yeah. thinks he's a guru, and then all of a sudden he's a fraud. <laughs> you know, those young coaches that got hired because McVay got hired. And I'll be intrigued to see the McVay hiring. Now, I didn't know that McVay's dad and grandpa were all in the NFL. That makes a lot more sense now. But whenever he got hired, I was like, how'd this guy get hired? Him getting hired led to Zach Taylor in Cincinnati getting hired, Matt LaFleur getting hired in Green Bay. Uh, I would assume Nagy had helped Nagy get hired. Sure. It became like this thing where it was like, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, we're going to hire these young offensive minds because Sean McVay had so much success. And some of them have really worked. Mm-hmm. Like LaFleur, 
His record is yeah, outrageous. Very good. I think it's best in the NFL history, maybe, mm-hmm. his record or whatever. Like, it's next level. Cliff Kingsbury, I would say that's working. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know how it is in the building, but it feels like that is working. That Cardinals team, although they let me down whenever you fucking bet on them. <laughs> great plays, great win. Hey, awesome win. Great right? win. One of the greatest plays of all time. But, boy, if we kick the extra point there, you make, you make everybody much happier about being a Cardinals supporter, which I've been for a long, long time. But it feels like it's working there. Now, Zach Taylor, is it working in Cincinnati? I don't know. Like, right? I, I don't know. Nagy, is it working in Chicago? I, I don't know. And that's also Andy Reid. He comes from Andy mm-hmm. Reid's system. But I'm just talking about the narrative that you have to hire an offensive coach over a defensive coach because of one success thing is very interesting. And there's been mixed reviews on it. I'll be intrigued to see, kind of see how it unfolds. Like, Biennemi is going to get hired eventually, right? Yeah. yeah. Should. Everybody thought he should have got hired last year. I think we all agreed with that. He's going to be able to pick a job. Brady is going to get hired. It feels mm-hmm. like if you're an offensive Guru, you're going to get a head coach, but it hasn't worked for everybody. No. But some people, it's worked really well. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a mixed bag there. Well, and for, I mean, for Taylor at least, like he had Burrow at one, right? Pace or Pace and uh, whatever the hell his name Nagy. is. Nagy, thank you. Uh, <laughs> he got Mitch at two and missed on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Like when you have that on your whole entire resume, I mean, that's tough to live with. Yeah. I would assume there's some uh, backdoor beef happening there. Mm-hmm. A little oh, bit. Yeah. At Ty Schmidt, Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. Let's have a day. Also, uh, a lot of people. We haven't even announced it yet. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling will be joining mm-hmm. us here Ooh. in a couple of minutes. Matt Prater will be joining us mm-hmm. of the Detroit Lions. Nick Chubb of the Cleveland Browns, who just made his return uh, after an MCL sprain. He had a hell of a day the other day. I mean, we got a big Loaded day. Tuesday. Let's go. Oh, Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. Tuesday in the 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time hour. Uh, pretty good conversation should come if you're a Green Bay Packers fan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, outside of Sunday, Tuesdays are the best day of the week. Everyone knows that. You know, uh-huh. I mean, we'll see. I think I went back and watched a little bit of that game, and I don't think – I mean, we talked about it in the office. It really wasn't as close as the score indicated, so I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, I'm excited to see what uh, Raj has to say about it. Yeah, it, it's it, – the Packers game this past weekend was one of those games where the Packers always were in control, mm-hmm. but then just one little fuck-up would happen, and it was like, ah, come on. Mm-hmm. Ah, come on. It felt like that continued to happen. It was, there was never a worry – you felt like there was never where, even though no. they were driving right. in the fourth quarter, could have stole that win. The Jaguars could have beaten the Green Bay Packers oh. this past weekend. Like that is, I think, the narrative that everybody saw because mm-hmm. they might not have watched the game. The Packers were in control of that game the entire time. It was just a couple of things happened where you're like, oh, oh, might lose it. And then they were driving. There was a moment at the end where old Aaron Rodgers came out. Uh, he was in his poncho, mm-hmm. super thermal poncho, which Ooh. is uh, one of the best sideline apparels you can have. So, oh, yeah. so warm. So warm, so big, mm-hmm. so warm. Fun little move is uh, you sit on the heated bench and you turn that poncho backwards mm. and you put it on you backwards because it catches the heat. So now you're basically in a sauna. You know what I mean? <laughs> Almost too hot. <laughs> you come out sweating and it's like, whoa, thank God I'm out here. Yeah, that was my, I think Vinatieri, ta- yeah, Vinatieri definitely taught me that move. So anytime there's a cold game, I'm always impressed by the amount of people that are up on the sideline and moving. And this year, by the way, I think it's a lot different because there's a lot of, hey, we need your energy on yep, the sideline. Which, by the way, I think I'd, be, I'd do very well in 2020's NFL, by the way. Very good fake hype. Very, very. <laughs> one of the best fake hypers in the history. And now I think they're like uh, like rewarding people who are doing well on the sideline. It looks like there's teams giving uh, like guys who are either not dressed or backups, it feels like they're being rewarded for bringing energy on the sideline. Mm-hmm. You see some teams where it looks like the people who aren't playing are trying to outdo each other 
on the fake hypeness, uh-huh. right? Because I think it is a big deal. Like you hear a lot of big fake yells after things like ah yeah ah. It's like a basketball bench almost uh-huh. at this point Ooh. because you're bringing the only juice for your teammates, right? So a big hit happens, you got to go nuts for your teammate there because nobody else is doing it, right? And I'm not. Hey, listen. You're paid to make that play. Okay, There shouldn't be any energy from anybody else that you need. You should not feel as if you need vindication from other people to make a big play. That's your job to do it. But it probably is pretty nice to have a couple of your teammates screaming oh, after yeah. a, a kill shot. I think I would do well for that thing. The um, ah, I forget where I was headed. It was going good. <laughs> it was going good. Oh, whenever he, uh, the Vinatieri. Yeah. So I'm always impressed by the amount of people that are up, uh, especially in those cold games. Because you would have never seen me move. I barely even did any practice punts into the net because I'm like, it's 97 degrees in here right now. And I come out jog just like looser than everybody sweating and everything. And they're like, where the fuck have you been? I'm like, Vinatieri's little sauna thing. Just got locked down. But I'm excited to hear what he asked those guys mm-hmm. whenever, or what he told those guys with a minute 11 left because it was on camera. We have a picture. Yeah. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what this was. And that's why uh, Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays is awesome because – we can ask that question. Yeah, you actually mm-hmm. get to find out. Like, hey, what the fuck did you say here? Yeah. Yeah, did you tell him to go get the quarterback? Hey, what did you say? Hey, we need to stop him here? Because that's <laughs> – I would have said that too. Give me the ball? Did you did, did you ask to go on? Like, you want me to play DN real quick? <laughs> like, give him a couple tips maybe? <laughs> Joining us now is a man who won a college football championship and a Super Bowl. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. AJ. Hey, let's go! Hey. AJ, how's it going, pal? Oh, oh, Jesus Christ. Christ. What's going on? How many times? Big you know sir. Oh, Jay. Whoa. Jay, what's going on? Are we remixing this thing? One, two, one, two. Are you okay, Jay? <laughs> what? Are you, did you turn your... Not me. What <laughs> God's name was that? Was that we somebody having a, a power drill? Did somebody have a power drill in the back <laughs> right there? Is that you? Can you hear me now? Yeah. 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 Good. Um... <laughs> Have you been fleeting at all on Twitter, dude? It's the new crave. I've uh, become aware of fleeting because of you, unfortunately, and I'm already sorry that I clicked on a few of them. Oh, no. So you have been fleeting. Yeah. Thanks for us. Hey, uh, AJ Fleet. Hey, did they lay it out anywhere? The only way, reason I know it's fleeting, I guess, is because of you. Like, Does it say that that word anywhere? Yeah, in the intro video, it says, welcome to fleets or something like that. It, I mean, suspect name, obviously, and it's obviously nowhere near as good as the IG stories or any of the other people that are exactly the same. They miss out on a lot of the functions, but it's Twitter's thing, and we're a Twitter show, so, hey, let's get fleet. Hey, a person we would like to see fleet uh, at least once or twice today, oh, yeah. out of respect for the fleet. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. A man who guided the Green Bay Packers to a 24-20 victory on Sunday. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, joining us, uh, future Hall of Famer, handsome man, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah! yeah! Let's go! Yeah! Aaron, how's it going? Turn that song bitch sideways. How are you? I, yeah, I'm losing you guys, though. I can't see you now when I turn it sideways. Really? We can see you. It's hey, perfectly clear. Back. Now I'm good. Now hey. I'm hey, have you fleeted yet on Twitter? Have you, have you been? No. No idea what that means. Oh. Let me tell you, Aaron. <laughs> okay, it's IG stories. Think about this, which was just TikTok. It's IG stories, but now a worse version of it on Twitter, and we need you on there. Okay, we need you in there, Aaron. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be doing those. Oh, <laughs> son of a uh, good win on Sunday. Obviously, it felt like throughout the game, 
Uh, you guys were in control for most of it, but even at the end, it came down to a drive and a stop for your defense. Overall thoughts on how the game went, and you had a couple very gifable moments that we will definitely chat about here in the next couple moments for sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's it's hard to win in the league. So a lot of times you play a team that has one win, and there's an expectation of not just a win, but a blowout. And if you don't do it, much like we dealt with last year, all these uh, media-termed ugly wins that we had. Uh, I think that's that was the sentiment maybe outside the building. I think inside the building, you know, I think we were uh, very positive. Uh, I think the defense played really well. Uh, you know, they, they shut them down for the most part. Uh, short field touchdown and two field goals is all they gave up. Uh, made some big stops at important times. Um, special teams, you know, we didn't, uh, didn't cover well on one of the punts, obviously, and and uh, had all the kind of the hidden yardage game we were up against. It started a lot of drives inside our 10. Um, so, you know, I think we could need to improve in that area a little bit. And offensively, you know, we turned the ball over twice. But uh, I think the elements at times can even the playing field a little bit. At least that's what, you, that's what you saw a little bit Sunday. And also, you know, there's a lot of pride in that team and a lot of good young players uh, in Jacksonville. I know they're, you know, one and eight. But uh, but they didn't just roll over and, and – and, uh, and take a beating you know they they uh they played hard and stopped the run really well made us uh, made us pretty one-dimensional hey what were you saying uh to the smith brothers when you walked pretty much all the way onto the field that i'm glad you didn't get 12 men on the field so i'm thankful the refs didn't throw down <laughs> they liked you a lot you're in that yeah you're in that little you know little thing you had the thing on <laughs> and it's parka yes yeah, he, he has his big parka on i'm just curious a, are you covering your mouth because of COVID and you don't want people to read your lips or just COVID? What are we doing here? And did Mike Petton uh, donkey punch you in the back of the head because you're giving info to his defense and he already had it squared away? I bet he probably wanted to. Uh, Mike and I have a, a, a fun relationship. We like to flip the bird to each other at various times throughout practice. Nice. Um, it's a lot of love. Uh no, I was just I was just letting them know what I thought based on the formation that looked like to me some sort of either hail mary or uh, lateral play. So we had uh, a play last year against Chicago. We were up by five late in the game, and they threw a pass and turned to a lateral sequence and had the last guy who got tackled realize he had a guy in pitch relationship to the right. That might have been a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, which I think we we're up seven, so would you know the extra point would have tied the game, but just I was reminding our DBs, hey, let's you know finish the play, and uh, and those guys um, that it looked like a possible uh, possible dash was coming there, kind of a rollout uh, hail mary possibility. So, is um, it what happened? Is it what happened? No, it, you know they ended up. Uh, I'm not sure what they ran. Uh, we had good, we rushed four, had a good pass rush, and. and uh, and kind of had him hemmed up, and he had to throw a little check down uh, to the sideline. But uh, I'm not sure what they were running. It seemed like they, they were in range. They kind of had the wind uh, slightly helping at that point, about the 50s. So, I, you know, I think uh, young kid, big, strong-armed kids, I bet he could have got to the end zone. But I guess I'm not sure what the play was. A couple questions here real quick about that. Young kid, I would assume uh, old Jake the Snake Luton, mm-hmm. he's probably a big fan of yours. Before the game, whenever a young guy like that, uh, is there a conversation between you two, or are you not even allowed to do that because of, you know, uh, the big bad uh, voodoo corona brother? You know what I mean? Are you even allowed to talk to people? And what are those conversations like? Do they ask you for tips or hints or just like, hello, nice to meet you? Is there anything like that? 
Well, I kind of stopped going out pregame uh, years and years ago. I just, it, it, I just didn't get a lot out of it. I think some guys like to go out and, and do a warm up and throw, you know, forty, fifty balls. Uh, I've never really felt that that was necessary for me. Uh, my process is, is uh, you know, stretching routine in the locker room, and then I go out for just pregame warm ups and get in the throws I get in during that time and feel ready to go. Uh, based on on those throws, um, so I didn't see him before the game. I used to enjoy you know some of those conversations uh, with those guys. I still got to see him after the game, and because I, I, I really wanted to tell him how much uh, I loved his spin move last week playing Houston, <laughs> and he you know he stiff armed a guy to the ground and then did a kind of reverse spin move for a righty. Uh, it was awesome, and I just I didn't want to tell him how much I I love that play. You know, I think there's much like Pat with you in the uh, you know in the, in the punters and kickers. Like when you see a quarterback do something amazing, doesn't matter who it is. Like it gets it gets you pumped up. You know when a when a guy like that stiff arms a guy to the ground and then does a spin move and, and to, makes the guy totally whiff and scores a touchdown. Like there's just something as a quarterback that gets you going. Like yeah, you know, bringing the athleticism to the position. Now there's obviously some guys who are out of that conversation. Like whatever Lamar does every single week, yeah, he doesn't really yeah. count because he's in a, in his own stratosphere. But you know some of the guys who maybe aren't uh, thought of as ad- as athletic. When a play like that happens, it's, it's pretty cool. Well, let's talk about your sneaky athleticism. Um, you know, crafty athlete. Uh, you, you make something out of nothing because you're a coach's son, lunch pail type of guy. First one in, last one out. Here at the age of 36, hey, skirt, skirt around the edge there, score a touchdown, hockey check into the boards Ooh. with arms wide open. What a moment there. What a sequence of athleticism for you. At what point did you know you were going to take off? At what point did you know instead of a Lambo leap, you're going to do like the jump into the boards like a hockey thing? And what was this, the significance of this bad boy right here? Well, I was actually a little bummed out. That was a play called to throw Mercedes a touchdown. Oh, and you know, he played the Jets. for Jacksonville. I was really hoping to throw it to him. So it was a little, a little reluctant, actually. I got to do a, a little pump fake, which I love doing. Uh, that Whether they go for it or not, it's fun. Um, <laughs> and actually, the funny aside, the uh, the guy chasing me was uh, was like, hey, slow down, slow down, well, slow down, slow down. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> like yelling at me to slow down <laughs> as I'm running. But... Uh, yeah, you know, as I approached, I got in the end zone, and I approached uh, kind of the jump point. Obviously, you know, in years past, when you have a you know a full a full fan base there in the stands, it's fun to it's fun to jump in there. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, probably some sort of beverage gets spilled on you, and and they'll grab you and try and touch you in certain spots. But uh, um, <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good. Stuff. I, I made the, I made my approach and thought that wall looks pretty high. I'm going <laughs> to jump in it, and then. Uh, I'm going to try and make this look really cool. So, bite it off. Turn around and just thought uh, two things. One, uh, what would Scott Stapp be doing right now? <laughs> and secondly, um, have you seen uh, Austin Powers and Goldmember? Yes. Our uh, our offense coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, who installs the red zone, is obsessed with that movie. Everything about it. Um, why he's called Goldmember. Uh, where he likes to party, uh, the fact that he's a big roller skater and yeah. a swinger. Doesn't he lift his uh, There's leg. a lot of great, uh, uh, great lines by uh, by Goldmember in that movie. And one of our mantras uh, is, I love gold. gold. I love that. Like Goldmember. So we call the red zone the gold zone. 
as an ode to gold member. So <laughs> if you guys see us doing our arms like this, it's we're doing the I love gold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Hey, you love that hacker guy, don't you? I know your your offensive coordinator. He doesn't. Luckily, because of you, he got a bunch of pub with you making uh, controversial statements to the media, just kind of churning them up, getting everybody going. Like, wh- what is so special about Hackett? <laughs> I'm glad your mic's working, Ace. I, I, I like your questions today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, first of all, Hack is, you know, his dad is Paul Hackett, and Paul is one of the legendary West Coast offense guys. Paul worked me out with John Gruden in 2005, and they brought Jerry Rice uh, for a throwing session, which was uh, an absolute wild, surreal experience for me, being from Northern California and being a huge Niner fan growing up. And to see uh, Jerry Rice walking down the steps at Memorial Stadium was pretty amazing. Um, and also to meet Paul and knowing, you know, they work with Bill Walsh and and uh, having a love for the West Coast offense. Um, you know, it's fun having Nate with us because we can speak that language and obviously he grew up around that. I grew up in the West coast offense. Um, it's kind of one iteration from what Bill and Paul, maybe one or two, you know, what, uh, what Mike, uh, installed and ran for years, but, uh, the concepts are similar and the base of the offense is very, very similar. And I don't know, I just have a love affair with, uh, that type of offense. And so it's fun having him around to talk about, uh, the West coast offense to tell old stories. I keep in touch with Paul pretty regularly when we last uh, against the Niners, I threw a Q8 and a Q9. That's a classic West Coast play where it's just a, you know, just a sprint out. I hit Devontae on the left side on fourth and one for a first down. Uh-huh. And then hit Marquez uh, uh, for a touchdown, in the, I believe it was in the third quarter, um, on the whirl route, the outside route of, of Q8, sprint right option, which is the same play that, uh, that Joe Montana hit uh, Dwight Clark for the catch in 81. Huh. It was on the whirl route as well. Freddie Solomon fell down the right flat. Joe kept it, pumped it, pumped it, and then threw it the high in the back of the end zone to, uh, to Dwight, who was running the, the whirl route. So uh, I immediately after I threw the touchdown, I came back to the sidelines and, and got, on the, uh, got on the phone with, uh, with Nathaniel um, just because I was so juiced to, to hit Q8 and hit the whirl on that. It's, just, it's, you know, it's, it's a West Coast uh, kind of staple and, and fun to get back to that read. So it's fun having Nate around. He's also just a total goofball. You know, his love of gold member, uh, and and you know, it's like every single week on Friday when he installs it, we have to go through why he's called gold member, uh, <laughs> parties, uh, you know, and then he'll get somebody to wear the gold outfit and to, and to to do the I love gold uh, saying. So it's it's a it's one of those fun uh, uh, weekly rituals that you really look forward to. It's been working, by the way. I feel like you guys have been doing rather well in the red zone. Not 100 percent sure. Um, this football nerd stuff, whenever you start breaking it down, is awesome. Like, I want to let you know that. when you, That Q8, Q9 thing right there, Like, there's people that maybe have no idea anything about football further than what they're told by commentators, which isn't much. And I feel like they just learned it. Will you ever get into commentating or anything like that? You're very, obviously, good at football. But like you, the way you speak about it is also pretty impressive. Are you going to get into commentating or on TV whenever you're done? No. How come? Well, I'm done. well, I've given a lot to this game. I've been playing since I was in eighth grade. Uh, I've been playing 16 years, and I just feel like when I'm done, I want to be done. You know, I think uh, it'd be fun to help out some, uh, you know, an age group that I feel like is real uh, impressionable still, like high school kids. I think 
being able to, to, you know, just volunteer, help, you know, or just help with some quarterback stuff, I think would be fun. Just because I love the game so much, I don't want to uh, totally, you know, get out of it. But as far as the pro level, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't see myself uh, doing anything with it. Uh, you know, I've given uh, physically so much to the game and mentally the, you know, all the years. I just, you know, I feel like I'll be pretty satisfied with what I did and what I contributed and, and uh, move on at that point. Yeah, you left maybe, the game. Maybe the- just do some radio hits with you every now and then. Oh, that'd be oh. nice. Hey, listen, I don't know what the service is like over in that one place in Southern California where you have a house, but if it's good service, we would like you to call anytime you want to. Let's talk a little football nerd stuff here. I've talked to some other quarterbacks, and the Hail Mary, in their eyes, is like a throw in hope. You know, like it's a, yeah, it's a throw in hope. We got a bunch here. They'll end up here. We're going to throw in hope. And then whenever you start looking at what Kyler did, and Kyler literally tweeted out, shit, D Hop is down there somewhere. And then you look at you with your success. Is there more to it than a throw in hope that people should realize whenever you come to that? Or were those guys who said that pretty accurate? Because you've been very successful at it, obviously. We had a, we had a poll the other day on who's the best Hail Mary thrower of all time. Uh, you won. Jesus Christ came in second because he did throw some good Hail Marys. People forgot they're still being caught to, to this day. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Kyler Murray came in third, which is good for our poll, by the way, because recency bias normally owns it. So even the Internet was like, uh, Aaron's the guy at this thing. What, what is it about those things that have a higher percentage than people think for you? Well, I mean, I don't know how what the, the percentage is. I think it just comes down to the way you throw it. If you can find a clean spot, um, you know, in or outside the pocket, the key for ours has always been kind of the trajectory. Um, you know, if you take out the Jeff Janis one, which was similar in nature to uh, Hopkins, other than there were three guys around Hop and really just uh, Patrick Peterson around uh, Jeff Janis. Um, you know, the other two, I was trying to get to a clean spot and throw it as high as possible. And on both of those, I think there was a misjudgment by in the majority of the players on the field as to where the ball was going to come down. Uh, the first one in Detroit, most of the guys went to, to Devontae, who at the time was the jumper on the play. Um, cause everybody has a specific role uh, within the within the Hail Mary if you're doing the classic, uh, traditional kind of throw to a spot. And they went to Devontae, who was the jumper. Uh, and, you know, Rich, Richard Rogers just kind of moseyed down there and looked around and looked up and, you know, he made a, made a great catch on the ball, which was about five yards from kind of the uh, what was thought to be the apex point of the ball, um, you know, seven yards in the end zone. And I would say that one of the Giants game as well in the playoffs, because of the height of it, uh, again, when it came down, most guys thought it was going to be in the middle of the end zone. And there's Cobby there in the back of the end zone uh, catching basically a, a, you know, a free ball because uh, a little bit of a misjudging of uh, where the ball is going to come down. Yeah, you, that's hilarious. Well, and then this one, and then this one, and then this one, and then this. I don't even know if guys have that many in practice. Like that is not something that's even a a high percentage of practice. Not that it's ever full go, but I've seen with the defense not allowed to jump on the on the play. Guys drop that all the time, and it's because of the judgment. It's like a punt coming down there. That oh man, that's fascinating. I should probably throw. I should probably be a deep ball thrower. Mm-hmm. Uh, get a lot of height on that. Russell Wilson. They always talk about Russell Wilson. How he throws a deep ball and it comes down. Is that is is he the only human that does that, or are they just talk about it because he does it all the time? Well, I think there's a lot of guys that can that can throw it in that way. I think he uh, he definitely attempts uh, a lot of those, and you know they have the personnel where they 
they like to take a number of those shots. I think he's one of the best deep ball throwers in the game for sure. Um, and again, I think the the what it does when you throw it that high is really two things. One is it uh, allows your guy to run underneath it. You know, it gives you a greater margin of error. Um, and then secondly, it's it's more difficult for a DB to knock away when the ball is coming on that tra- trajectory compared to a flatter ball where they can just put a hand up. It's 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 less expected too. I think the DB is expecting more of a uh, slightly flatter ball, so it's, it's a little harder for them to judge, a little harder um, to knock away, and also gives you a little margin of error because if you do miss a little bit short, uh, a lot of times that can turn into a pass interference for you. So. Um, if you got a chance, it's it's usually a better option. But I don't think everybody, but everybody in the league, can make those type of throws because it does take shoulder flexibility, it does take uh, eye discipline, and, and and it does take uh, an understanding of of your arm and your receivers. The classic Flacco, dude. Hey, what do you mean? What do you mean eye discipline on a hail mary? I'm not talking about a hail mary. I'm th- I was I was more referring to like some of the deep balls uh, and outside the number throws. Um, but a great uh, way to try and catch me on that one, H. Oh! oh. AJ! Suck it, dude! Suck it! <laughs> I was cool. talking about deep balls out there. Numbers. If you throw a ball that high, you can't just stare a guy down because, you know, if there's a single safety on the on the field, you're obviously going to you – know, that guy's going to get involved in the play. That's what I'm saying. I, well, I, I'm thinking of eye discipline because I, I'm still – I don't know if you watched the game last night. Harrison Smith – I know Darius Butler tweeted out he can he disguised nine different coverages and three blitzes on one play within like four seconds and gets a PBU. They show it on the game. They didn't really have time to really mention how well he was disguised. I'm just wondering, guys like that, that's what you need eye discipline for, right? And how tough is it facing a dude that can do that? Because not many guys can. Not many guys can. I mean, he's he's a one-on-one when it comes to disguising. I mean, he's the, uh, the most frustrating guy to play against, I think, with his disguises because hmm. he does – so many different things from the line of scrimmage. Um, blitz, uh, play, uh, you know, the, the curl flat in a two invert, uh, run back and play quarter safety, uh, run back and play the half, uh, run back and play the, the, you know, middle field third. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's a little maddening sometimes what, uh, what they do. And they're really rolling, and obviously they're playing better and they've won three in a row. Uh, which I'm not surprised because they do have a good a good team and they're and they're young, so the guys are starting to figure it out and they're getting a chance to play. Um, but when they had you know all their guys healthy, you know it's a really really tough defense. And, and I've said on this show I've long been a fan of Mike Zimmer. There's just uh, you know not many things that he doesn't throw at you that uh, that give you problems. So, um, but when you got a guy like Harrison who can, you know, it's all about trust. Like he's staying down there trusting that he's going to be able to get to his spot. Uh, before you can make him pay, and that's just I think the beauty in his game. And and more times than not, you know he's he's around the football. You always talk about like um, you know playmakers and and what makes a playmaker. And there's an, an adage about being just being around the football that I don't think gets appreciated enough. Like there's guys who are great players, but they might not always make a lot of plays. And then there's guys who might not get the same type of respect, but they're always around the ball. I mean the ball like finds them, tip passes, fumbles around the football, you know, raking at the ball, forcing fumbles. And that's the type of guy he is. And I've always said, you know, I'm a little biased because I play against him twice a year, but I think he's one of the top guys in the league. And he might not get the recognition, uh, but he's really tough to play against. When you're trying to digest a defense before a play starts, are you looking for any type of tell? For instance, I was roommates with Curtis Painter 
in training camp. And in doing so, I got a chance to hear conversations amongst other quarterbacks about things that Peyton was potentially looking for. And it was like as small as, uh, it would be like a late night conversation where they'd be talking or whatever, and maybe down in the lobby of training camp or whatever, which is a really cool thing. Like I think getting away for training camp, it has a lot of downfalls, you know, the public bathroom and running into people when you're pissing and things like, I mean, that, that whole thing. But the camaraderie coming together is cool. Like I think that's a pretty cool thing. And there was this one QB, and I won't say his name, but he said that his job was to find, like, if somebody's stance was just a little bit different than it would have been, in, and it gives away, like, a uh, what coverage they were going to be in or something like Is that the type of shit that you do and all quarterbacks do? Like, you're looking for one particular player maybe, like, this guy gives away whenever it's this particular coverage or this guy gives this away. Is that how it is? Is that Or was that guy just drunk and lying that particular evening? Well, he might have been drunk, but he wasn't lying. Uh-huh. <laughs> Definitely drunk, by the way. I didn't want to. I just, you know, I want to give you an out there. We were hammered. Homemade wine. It was a great. Night. I mean, it was a great night. One of the worst hangovers of all time, but it was a great time. I wish we'd been teammates. For yeah. Season, man, that would have been. We wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been able to make it without that Toradol thing. There's no chance I make it 16 games. By the way, I swing too hard. The whole leg almost falls off. But it would have been a good time. It would have been a good time. And I still got years left, by the way. So maybe if this all crashes, we'll see how it goes. Okay. Yeah. I look forward to that. Kind of fucked up of you, but because this would have to crash <laughs> for that to happen. But neither here nor there. Is there tells that you're looking at though that are yes, that that minutes? That a ton of tells. Everything is everything is looked at. I think that's that's why one of the most important parts of the preparation now is self-scout because there's just so much stuff out there there's so much that guys can look at there's tv copies there's audio you can hear everything and then there's little things obviously stance or alignment or eye where the eyes are that of course you have to look at all that and try and put it all together the best the best ones make it look very similar you know they they they, uh, they can make certain looks look the same you know there's certain always certain guys or defenses or situations that you know it might be a little more difficult to disguise but um you know there's there's pros and cons to disguise the pros if you got guys like harrison and veteran guys who know the limitations know what they got to get to within certain coverages based on the skies it can it can work um the cons are you know there's things that you can do to combat disguise whether it's quick count or super long count to get him to show um, that, uh, you know, defenses have to really be aware of. But, look, there's so much out there now that you can study. I think it's just really important you work on your self-scout every week. And we do. And we talk about what phrases I use, what cadences I use, and we're always, you know, trying to trying to switch things up. That pick, did that guy surprise you that he was there? It looked like you were surprised that he was there. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see him on the play. Um, you know, we had a number of, uh, you know, kind of lapses and, and, uh, some of the things we did on Sunday, uh, you know, based on the coverage, I think we should have, uh, we should have probably had, uh, had a guy wide open on that play, but, um, yeah, you know, I was looking at, uh, at EQ on the right side he was running double moving out and up. When I came back to Marquez, I just felt like because he was running, he was, he was wide open based on the pre-snap, but, uh, you know, the guy made a nice play. Um, one of those ones that really frustrates you because it's like right when you throw it, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, that guy's – that ball, that ball is going straight up on a mantle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau. Boom! 
that's there forever, you know? That's all I thought of for that guy. I was like, I was so happy for that guy. I mean, obviously, it sucks for Aaron. They're going to win this game. That's not good. But that guy gets a chance now to be like, yeah, I fucking picked off Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers. Guy throws, never throws picks. I picked off Aaron Rodgers. So happy for that guy as well as bummed for you. I just want to let you know how I am here. Fair and balanced. Yeah, you're just a man of the people, Pat. I get it. <laughs> Bingo. No loyalty at all. Whoa! Oh, people are saying this show is becoming a Packers show. That's what people are saying at this point. It's <laughs> so now you got to. You gotta really act like, oh no, I'm just not for everybody. I'm, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. In the middle. Yeah, I got it, Pat. Ty, what do you got? Uh, Aaron, everyone always talks about like a quarterback getting his offensive lineman, you know, presence or whatever, rewarding them. Uh, have you said anything to Bakhtiari about what you might want in return now that he's the highest paid tackle in the NFL? Not yet, Ty. That's a great question, uh, as usual. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I think a lot of times I let people speak uh, about my gift giving, but in this case, I'm going to speak about it um, because yeah. Dave uh, Dave's been blessed over the years with some of the presents I've gotten him. Oh, and tell I, us more! Like what? I was, just, I was actually just thinking the other day about some of the things I've gotten him. Um, You're such uh, a good guy. Uh, Wave runner. Wow! Oh, jet ski. I've never seen anybody sat on a jet ski. <laughs> what? Kenny Powers. Yes, if you go back and I bet you guys, because you guys got a great staff there, mm-hmm. you can research uh, Bakhtiari. It's probably on his Instagram from the 4th of July a few years ago when he, you know, pre-COVID obviously had like, uh, you know, a nice group of uh, 15 to 20 women kind of uh, hanging out and the jet ski that I got him, he was riding. So. Oh, I probably helped at that day if I this was, You know, this was pre, pre uh, you know, his current fiance. He was an amazing woman and, and he's very happy and cannot wait to... Uh, to enjoy the, the nuptials and yeah but uh yes wave runner uh wow, that's nice four by four he's got a tv he's got a quad we call it a, in pittsburgh quad atv quad, four yeah. by four oh, my. i got him a sauna you got him a jet ski on earth and a sauna Whoa. Look at this. oh my god like this at one point he got it he might have uh Gotten a watch as well. Oh, Ooh. this guy! Hold Five on. Better watch. So if you put all that, if you add all that up, yeah, all the years of love and appreciation, and he's a great player. Great, but he's about to be about thirty m's richer in the next few days. Yeah. So I look forward. I, I think it's. You know, it could be the best Christmas ever. And also a gift, by the way, it should be a best Christmas ever for you. Also a gift that you can't put a price tag on. You acted as if you couldn't finish a beer to put him over in yeah. front of an entire crowd. I mean. Yeah, I mean, who else? You know, he you know went on social media last week. He was all sensitive. I never put him in a commercial and blah, blah. And he goes out, and he's not even the second best actor in a Matt LaFleur local Cellcom commercial. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yep, there's the picture right there. You bring it up. Yeah, bring it back up, guys. Yeah. Yep, that That's was you- the jet ski I got him. Wow. That thing's awesome. Yeah, looks like it uh, worked out pretty good, huh, Dave? <laughs> huh, Dave? What about that? I must, I must say this, you know, with all due respect. So now oh. I can say anything. Yep. The ultimate Christmas miracle would be getting a gift from Dave. Nice. Oh, a little stingy, huh? Is that what oh. you're saying? Hey, pal, a lot of a lot of take, take, take in this particular relationship. That's un- unbelievable. It's okay, though. It's a, it's a lot of love, and I really appreciate it. He has, he's had my back. I've always loved all my left tackles. It's a position of pure trust. Still be a Christmas miracle, and I look forward to that miracle. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think it's going to happen. I think he'll he'll get you something nice. I don't know. I'm sure you'll find some reason to complain about it. But <laughs> so, Aaron, if you buy somebody a sauna, let alone if you're buying seven saunas for your offensive lineman. I can't imagine you're sitting there scrolling through Amazon like, hey, man, what's your shipping address? And you're shipping them all yourself. Like, who does this? What's the logistics? Do they get to pick which house it goes in? Like, it's a big deal. Me, bro. I do all of it. Great teammate. You ship it right to the house? Most of the time to the stadium. In this case, it wasn't. It was was, uh, made out west. But last year I did some things that were a little more personal. Gifts. In the past, I've done... Uh, TVs and uh, laptops and of course. Uh, home theater systems and different things. Of Usually I, it's like a, it's a graduated uh, meritocracy. So the longer you've, you've played in the league, kind of you get to, you know, maybe a bigger gift. The, the best part, I think, out of all the gifts last year was I, I took them to, uh, to Cabo. I offered a trip up. Uh, not everybody uh, could make the dates work, but Bakhtiari, Turner, and Lindsley came down, went to Cabo, and had a good time down there playing some golf and uh, had a day of whale watching. Pat, I know you're a big uh, fan of whale watching. Love it, dude. They ate a, a whale ate a goddamn kayak two weeks ago on the mm-hmm. internet. Do not be on a kayak while whale watching, Aaron. <laughs> do not do it. But, uh, yeah, so I, I do I do all of it. I've been working on the, uh, some gifts. I got some some help from a, from a partner, a shipping partner this year. So we got some actually early gifts coming this Ooh. year. Couple quick, yeah. couple we'll quick. Talk about it. We'll talk about it next week. We got some things dropping this week. Couple quick questions. When you were called a terrible teammate by everybody for so long, and all these things were happening, was there ever a moment where you were like, "I'm fucking sick of these people talking about me like this"? Because you told us one of the best lines of all time down in Bahamas. You're like, uh, "Pat, I just kill him with indifference or whatever." But if I'm doing all these things, by the way, awesome teammate stuff that you're doing there to take care of the people that take care of you on game days or whatever. Was there ever a moment where you wanted to come out and slap some people in the mouth for the things that were being said about you? Not really. Cause Pat, it was generally the same people making the comments. So it wasn't like there was new things being said. It was opportunistic, uh, uh, people who wanted to use, you know, moments or my name or the frustrations of, uh, their own uh, careers or the timing of us, you know, uh, not playing as well to, you know, to to be the go-to. And it was the same people being go-tos for all those stories. Uh, I laugh because in 16, you know, there's a couple hit pieces put out when we were four and six and struggling. Um, I mentioned we had a good chance of running the table. We won our last eight. And really since then, there hasn't been a whole lot. (laughs) I never, I never gave it a whole lot of time um, because it was the same people. It wasn't like there was people coming out of the woodworks and and nobody wants to talk about if, uh, if C Wood says something about me positive or age or John Coon or any receiver, uh, you know, James Jones, Jordy Randall, Devontae, Lyman I played with and took care of. Like, nobody wants to put any of those quotes out there because those don't, those don't get the hits they want. They don't get the, the attention. But it was just the same couple, the same few people, you know, who would make statements. Uh, but uh, obviously those, uh, those sentiments have changed, haven't they? 
Yeah, yeah. Dude, I would. You have a lot more willpower than me, pal. I would be like. And by the way, that's probably a reason why you're Aaron Rodgers and I'm not, now that I think about it. But I would have been. it would have been tough for me to kind of just be like, this is all bullshit. It would be very hard for me not to do that, especially whenever everything else started coming in. You're, you're a greater man than I. Nick, what do you got? Yeah, there was a lot of talk about teammates and David Bakhtiari. Aaron, I just wanted to see if you had a chance to check on Miles Jack after that vicious shove he received yeah. from David. He almost died out there. <laughs> I mean, I came over, I saw the play, and my two cents to add to, to Sean, the white cap, was that was a, that was a flop. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you cannot call that. That was a huge flop. Uh, I think in, if it was NBA, he probably would have got fined for that. Um, but, look, Miles is a Pac-12 guy, so I got nothing bad to say about him. Uh, that was some Pac-12 stuff there with Colorado on UCLA with Dave on Miles. <laughs> I've seen some bad flops. I think the worst flop I've seen all year, the worst you know, weird call was, you see Lee Smith for the Raiders mm. earlier in the season? He jumped up and faked like he was going to, like headbutt a guy, he was doing it like as a joke, and they flagged him for it. Oh. I don't know. The flopping, there's there's a decent amount of flopping, not as much as the NBA, thankfully, but uh, there's a decent amount of flopping that goes on. Most of the time, I don't think it gets called, um, but I have seen a few inc- incidents this season where there's been calls that have affected games. Now, do you, for instance, there was a roughing the passer that happened early. Somebody was down around your ankle. And while the ref was about to give the call, you were seen talking to two other refs, pointing at what seems to be the head ref. What were you saying? Hey, this guy's going to get me killed out here? Or what were you saying to those other refs while that ref was potentially giving the uh, roughing the passer call there? I believe uh, we were trying to quick snap them. They had 12 on the field. Oh, and I was trying to to check and see what call they were making because there were some offsetting uh, penalties that looked like we weren't quite set on the right side. I was trying to figure out what the hell happened because it seemed like as I took the snap, now I was looking at the sideline to make sure they, that we had them with 12 on the field. And uh, so I didn't quite see what was going on the right side. On the right side, the tight end was trying to get on the ball and get the Z off the ball instead of just getting set for whatever reason so i was trying to figure out what had happened over there and then i had uh yeah i had to talk with uh uh with josh after that play you know that's one of those things it's it's the uh, the rule that really came into play after brady tore his acl in the first game of the season uh help me with what year that was uh 2008 10 10 yeah it seems like about 2000 uh, maybe 11 maybe yeah and you know trying to take away the the, the low hits that aren't aren't uh you know really necessary i don't feel like he was trying to go low on me and that's i hadn't got that conversation with him that's not a penalty you really you're just not when you're bagging for it all like oh so you were actually saying like that come on like that shouldn't which by the way that i bet you every other position group who just heard you say that is like this guy's our hero because it feels like anytime you can get one, like for instance, it was the first play last week maybe, and Tom got a uh, a hand right to his face and he threw it and it wasn't called. And I don't think Tom said anything, but the internet was like, Tom normally gets this call. Aaron, you're up in that level where it's like, Aaron probably gets, I don't know, I don't watch enough, and you don't never get hit, it seems like somehow. You're kind of, you know, sneaky, athletic, crafty, you figure out a way not to get hit. But hearing you say like – 
That's hilarious that you tell the ref, like, we can't be calling that one. That's a little soft. That makes me look soft. No, I didn't tell the ref that. I told I told Josh that. Who, oh. who saw me. Just, he was great. He, he said, hey, you okay? Because a lot of times, you know, if you feel like it's a dirty hit, that's a different conversation. It wasn't a dirty hit. Um, and, again, it's not, it's not a call you're begging for. Like, you don't – like, I'm not, like, desperate to, you know, get that call. I don't if, – if it's a dirty hit, that's a different story. But I think he was just slightly off balance and got pushed. Um, so he checked on me. I said, I was fine. I said, you know, that's not a call I'm begging for, you know, like, and I hope he doesn't get fined for it. Okay. Uh, before we let you go, can't thank you enough here for your time. You're awesome. By the way, this is one of the coolest things that happens. The fact that you've maintained doing it every Tuesday thus far, we are very grateful for, by the way. I missed one. I missed one, but that was because we had a short week, but thank you. But then you made Made Aaron Rodgers Friday. That's right. Then you did Aaron Rodgers Friday after like two hours of sleep. So like the fact we really appreciate it, by the way, this is all everybody watches this. We know it. Hi, everybody that's watching. (laughs) Like, it's very, very nice to see you. Uh, All the media literally watches this. What's it? So yeah. yeah. (laughs) Hey, uh, shout out to me, by the way. Shout out to me for this idea. Really appreciate it. No, Um, you're playing the Colts this week. Uh, I obviously hope you don't get hurt. I hope everything goes on. But you know, I got I got to say what I have to say. I hope the Colts. you know, make it no, like, no, yeah, don't yeah. do it. No, you can't yeah, do you it. gotta, you have to. No, and no. hey, that defense is good for the Colts. Just want to let you know that you got your work cut out for you, pal. When the maniac 53 starts running around, Ooh. you better have that Galifianakis <laughs> question mark thing around. You better keep eyes on him, Aaron, because I want Aaron Rodgers Tuesday to happen next week. And the maniac probably doesn't. Mm. Just want to let you know that. Keep your eyes out, pal. Keep your eyes out there. Hey, thanks for the heads up. <laughs> <laughs> Really appreciate it. Now, there's two things I'm looking forward to this week um, besides the challenge. I mean, obviously, they're a good team. Um, one is fans, which is fun. Oh, yeah. They're going to have fans. A little bit, yeah. And two is Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been one of my favorite players for a long time. I just I think he's pretty funny on the field. And, you know, I think just his, his mannerisms and <laughs> – I just I enjoy watching him play. I think he's uh, he's an all time great, and he's done it at a high level for a long time. And he's also really really funny. Like to to talk that much and to never swear, that might be his greatest accomplishment. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's it is pretty amazing. Right? It is yeah, yeah. Um, and just the way he handled I thought, the uh, the pick six where he fell down, and then what happens? They come back in a you know, short week. Everybody's thinking they're going to trounce, and they beat they beat Tennessee. You know, like he's a tough dude. He played with a like torn ACL, you know, in a playoff game. So I got a lot of respect for him. Okay, well, it's the clash of the titans here. Okay, you and Philip Rivers, and you just keep your head on a swivel, okay? Because that defense plays no fucking games there. Just want to let you know that. All right. Hey, thanks, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really torn here. Okay, you guys don't play. We don't play you guys a lot. <laughs> You're trying really hard. You know what I mean? It's better just embrace being a fucking homer, okay? <laughs> We're best friends. Like, I get it. You played there, okay? You don't play there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And also, you're from Pittsburgh. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah. He's the best. Jim Mercy did give me a plane last year, though. He did, yeah, he did but you is know, he on the show every week? He's not. He's never been on the show. So let's go pack. Ah, go pack, go. Go pack, go. AJ, did you get to play Aaron at all when you went to Sincere Atlanta or ever? God damn it, I don't know what to do. No, here. I never never got the chance to play against him. 
can't hitch your wagon to a wagon with three wheels. Go, back, go. Oh, don't do it. You can't. He I mean, wants to. It's an easy decision. Just do it. Huh? It's an easy decision. Come on. No, no. no I like I like Maniac. Okay? I like Jerry <laughs> Slayer. Yeah. All right? You love Philip Rivers. I do. Oh, yeah. Naeem Hines. With that Naeem Hines, my guy. It's my birthday. With that being said. What's that? Go back. Go. <laughs> it's Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, dude. It's hard not to, you know, have a little bit of loyalty to Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, which has been awesome every single time. So sorry to interrupt. I want to let you know that Burrow offers the easiest, most convenient way to get a comfortable new sofa delivered right to your door. And it's not just sofas, Ty. Really? Yeah, all Burrow furniture is thoughtfully designed for function and practicality and designed to go perfectly together. It's foolproof furniture, high quality, stylish, and built to make your life easier. That's perfect. Yeah, it's practical and adaptable. Assemble a Burrow sofa by yourself without any tools or help in just minutes. Minutes? Minutes. Add seats or rearrange them from love seat to sofa to sectional and even back. Wow. Wow. Uh, it's built for real life. It includes thoughtful features like a built-in USB charger. Huge. Need that. Mm-hmm. Need that. It's made from durable materials that resist stains and scratches. Their durable fabric options now include performance velvet. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Customize everything to create your dream sofa. Choose the color, fabric, arm style, leg style, size, and shape of your seating. Attach the chaise lounge addition to any seat or go with a floating ottoman. Whatever tickles your fancy. There's more than uh, sofas. Burrow also offers clever storage-focused coffee tables, modular, easy-to-hang wall shelves, credenzas, and benches. Those credenzas. I've been looking for a new credenza. Renters can build it with no tools, and it's easy to move wherever you want to go. If you have a commitment phobe, no big deal. They change styles, assemble, move, rearrange. If you have a walk-up, if you live in a walk no carrying a full couch up and down the stairs. Pets and families, no big deal. It's scratch and stain resistant. Anyone who wants stylish quality furniture but doesn't know where to start needs to go to Burrow. Go to Burrow. Right now, you can save an extra $75 off your purchase by going to Burrow.com slash McAfee. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash M-C-A-F-E-E for $75 off that's a hell of a deal that's a hell of a deal back to the show joining us now is a man who rushed for over 100 yards scored a touchdown and potentially cost millions and millions of dollars uh to cleveland brown betters this past weekend against the houston mm. texans whenever he made the incredibly high football iq move of going out of bounds at the one o'clock ladies and gentlemen our one yard line one o'clock too, you know, because yeah. Yeah, yeah. whenever you have a ninety o'clock run, you know, <laughs> that's right. that's oh, Nick Chubb. Yeah, let's go, Chubb. What's going on, man? Nothing much. How you doing? Hey, thanks for joining us, Nick. It's been awesome to kind of watch you uh, become this back that has been dominant. We saw the Cleveland Browns start to invest in the run game, right? Got offensive linemen, bring in Kareem Hunt, they pay him. They spent a second-round pick on you. It feels like the run offense over there in Cleveland is really getting rolling. And this past weekend, you and Kareem both have 100 yards. What a day for you guys. Yeah, it was it was great for me to get back out there. You know, didn't find no, but yeah, it was great to get back out there. Me and Kareem had a good day, got the win. You know, that's that's important. Hey, when you're coming through a sprained MCL, rehab is no fun. What was it like? What was your day to day? What was the expectation going in there? Uh, and how pumped were you to get back out on the field? Rehab sucks, man. It definitely does. <laughs> but I mean, 
you know, I had fun with it. I was able to, you know, kind of sit back, relax, catch my breath, get ready to go back for the season when I was, you know, healthy again. And, you know, every day was tough, you know, watch my team go out there and play every day. But uh, here I am back healthy, came back, got a win, first game back. And it's just amazing to be back out there with the team. Okay, so let's talk about the play where you uh, go out at the one-yard line. Obviously, it caused quite a conversation uh, on the Internet because there's people that, you know, potentially had financial interest in the decision that you made. It was. Yeah. It has now come out that Stefanski and Baker Mayfield, it's called No Moss, which is basically like, hey, let's get the first down, but let's not score. And if you remember, Todd Gurley just a few weeks ago for the Atlanta Falcons was in the same situation. It came back to bite them in the ass. While you were running, did you think of Todd Gurley? What was the, the full thought while you were running? And why'd you go out at the one? Yeah, so to think about it, yeah, um, I, I actually forgot I was supposed to score until I got to like the 10 or 5 yards. Oh, oh, no. That's a heartbreaker. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going in, and then it's like, well, I'm not supposed to score. So being 230 pounds, running full speed, I can't just take a knee right there. I'm going to fall. My going to take me in. So I just made a left turn right out of the, the one-yard line. Hey, by the way, high football IQ. There's zero chance of the Texans winning that game because you ran out of bounds. Okay, oh. let's kneel this thing out. Game over. No big deal. But I literally heard the entire joy and happiness of a massive Cleveland Browns better this past week and leave his body whenever you told him you did not remember until <laughs> the time. Oh, man. That is awesome. Sorry about that. <laughs> Don't be sorry. You made the right play. Don't you worry about what this degenerate's doing over yeah, here. We got the win. That's, yeah. that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Uh, what has it been like here? Andrew Barry is the GM. Is there a new vibe in the building? It feels like uh, the team around Stefanski. It feels like the Browns are a much different team this year. Am I wrong in thinking that from outside the building looking in? No, nah, you're right, man. We're getting wins. You know, it's, we've come a long way since, you know, my rookie year. We were 6-9-1, and one, and last year we were 6-10. and 10, Now we're 6-3, and three, so I think we're off to a way better start. Things are definitely turning around for us, but we got to keep it going. We, we, we still got ways to get better, and, you know, this week we're going to try to get better. Connor? Nick, how is uh, OBJ as a teammate? Because a lot of the times all you hear is, you know, he wants to get out of the uh, Cleveland organization. So how has he been, you know, as a teammate? Oh, that was a great teammate. I mean, you hear a lot of things about him on the outside, but you know, being on the inside, being around him every day, I mean, I, 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 I didn't see what the big, you know, what all the complaining was about. He was a bad teammate. I don't care about himself. I mean, he wants to win just as much as anybody. I mean, he might want the ball, but we know he know he can make plays. We all know he can make plays. That's the only thing about it. But um, yeah, he's a great teammate, great person. Love being around him. You can talk to him about anything. I can call him right now and just talk to him. And he's a great person, great teammate. Never ever met a wide receiver. That was worth a fuck that didn't want the ball, by the way. Just, just for future reference, that's why they are who they are, by the way, because they want the ball. But that's not a bad thing. And it does feel like there's always a negative narrative around Odell because of what happened in New York and the situations early there. Uh, we, we've always been big fans. It's nice to hear you say that about being a teammate with him. Matt Tone Diggs? Nick, did uh, being at Georgia with uh, Todd Gurley and with Sony Michelle prepare you for kind of the role in the NFL now where – uh, you're the guy, but like when you do come out, there's another great back there to dispel you. Like, does that did that prepare you for the locker room that you're in now? It definitely did. You know, we call Georgia RBU for a reason. We, we just stacked, and I played with um, DeAndre Swift too. So, I mean, I've been in the back with a bunch of you know a bunch of talented guys, and it's that it's comforting knowing when I'm off the field that's going to be no fall off, no no slack because I mean we all can play, we all can ball, and that's same with Kareem and the other running backs on the Browns. We're all we're all very good, very talented. Okay, so. 
because there's always the mindset like, oh, this running back's going to be – like, for instance, when Le'Veon Bell signed with the Chiefs, they are like, well, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be pissed off or whatever. You know what I mean? And then whenever somebody else signs with somebody where there's always a spot in the running back, it feels like now in the NFL you have to have a committee of running backs if you want to be able to keep up. Is it nice to know that, okay, there's another running back that's going to beat up this defense a little bit while I'm getting a, bre- a breather out there too? Like it's probably good for the running back to have other good running backs in the backfield alongside you. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, I'm happy to have another guy who can go in and, and beat down the defense with me and wear him down and also take the hits off of me. We can, we can share the, you know, the, the good things and the bad things about it. So I'm happy that I'm in a situation where I've always had no other running backs missaid plenty of plays on my career i'm sure of yeah i thought so that's all that's a wrong narrative i think mm-hmm. i think we should change that narrative as of today we decided <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. hey good for us dude good for you nick being a part of that the, sure. the running out to one you're also part of that too people yeah. mm-hmm. at ty schmidt nick we saw the video before the game in the crowd of like it looked like there was golf ball sized hail and the weather <laughs> was just ridiculous do you prefer prefer playing in something like that or would you rather just be perfect conditions uh think about it i don't i don't mind playing anything but i'd rather just rain than not hell or it's just you know just snow you know i think the hell was a little bit too too overboard for me that was probably too much <laughs> it was like rocks falling out the sky and it was painful we were just standing there doing the national anthem couldn't move so i'll probably just take rain sunshine no 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 more hell you're like an old school guy, it feels like. When watching you, you have like this old school feel to you. Is there any running backs that you kind of model your game after, or is it mostly that Georgia crew that you were able to work alongside of? Yeah, I, yeah, it's just who I am. I don't know. I, uh, I like, you know, I like Ty Gurley and looked up to him a little bit. I, I kind of did some things, modeled some things after him and my game after him, but other than that, nobody really else. Hey. Me too, dude. Fuck <laughs> hey, you know what I mean? Have, have you got a chance to talk to Andrew Barry? He's a good dude, man. Yeah, I man, I speak to him. I haven't really, like, got, down, got a chance to sit down and actually talk to him. But you know, every time I see him, I speak to him, ask him how, how's he doing, things like that. What's Baker like? We talk about Odell Beckham Jr. as a teammate. What's Baker like? Because there's a guy that people either love or absolutely hate for whatever his commercials are. Awesome. The book club oh, one I could do without, but every other one is pretty – pretty solid what's he like as a teammate and also you guys got drafted together he had you know five cops waiting for him at the airport and you had to go get your own bags and kind of the whole thing there on our night. what has it been like being teammates with baker yeah, it's crazy as that i mean this is the same question i get when i go home how's the deal how's baker how's Jarvis? everybody always wants to know yeah but um yeah he's, he's a great teammate too i mean he's awesome i think we started off on the wrong foot you know i have to beat him in the rose bowl but he, he quickly got over that one <laughs> i like that yeah, but other than that, I mean, he's great. He's great to be around, great leader. I think um, we all feed off his energy, his intensity, and it's, it's great playing with him. Hey, you guys are winning games, too. Keep it mm-hmm. going. What's up, Nick? Nick, can you uh, talk at length about how scared you are of T.J. Watt, oh, Bud Dupree, oh, and geez. the Steelers front seven? That guy's a diehard Steelers fan. You have to know that. That's a diehard Steelers fan right there. Dude. Wait, what do you ask? He said, how scared of the Pittsburgh Steelers defense are you? He's a diehard Steelers fan. I mean, you can slap him in the mouth <laughs> if you want. In the mouth. Uh, no, I'm not scared, man, but those guys are, are, are a very talented, very good team. And, you know, I don't know if we'll be able to play them, if they'll, you know, fully play us last game of the year. But, I mean, I hope so. The the thought of the welcome to the NFL thing, you know, like 
they, they say like everybody has a welcome to the NFL moment. I would assume for a running back, it would be somebody just absolutely lighting you. Was there somebody that's like just killed you that you're like, damn, this is different than it was in Georgia? Or yeah, you- yeah, for sure. It was my first game. Uh, Bostic, uh, he was on the Steelers linebacker, blitz right through the egg out, blew me up. It was horrible. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, damn. So you're laying on your back at that moment. You're like, oh, fucking man. Going to have to bring the lunch pail here or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he ran right through me, and, and um, he sacked um, Tyrod Taylor. And I, I'll never forget Tyrod's face when he looked at him. He was so disappointed. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chubb, you're the man. It's great to have you back in the game. You're unbelievable. We appreciate you for joining us. What do you got going on today? Anything? What do you do in your downtime? Just rehab all day? Uh, no, so we're off on Tuesday, so I'm at the house just hanging out, just watching some TV, playing games, Ooh. hanging out with my dog. Oh, you got a dog? What type of dog? We, you know, uh, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling has a Pomsky, which is a Pomeranian Husky yeah. that he lives with. What nah, I, have, I have a German Shepherd. Ooh! Ooh. Step by the way. Hey, that's a killer. You know what I mean? That's an absolute He's, he's a great dog. Yeah, what, uh, what video? You play video games? Yeah, I've been playing. Um, I play Fortnite, really. I haven't, got, I haven't made switch to Call of Duty yet, but it's Coming soon. Is your is your entire generation just nerds on video? You guys all just play video games. Is that how this goes? That's what it's looking like now. And now it's like money in it, and guys are getting their you know gaming squads and got the got the decked out you know gaming um chairs and this desk and all that. Oh man, you're gonna take over the world, Chubb. I'm excited to watch it, bud. Now, hey, don't keep Andrew Barry too close. He's got to know that you will go somewhere else whenever this contract's (laughs) up. I'll text him that and let him know too. Hey. don't just automatically assume you got Nick, pal. Okay? Uh-huh. He will go elsewhere. Not that you would ever. Oh, what's the dog pound like? Cleveland Browns fans are awesome. I mean, they are. How has it been to be? Now, this year, you can't do anything. Assume you're locked down in the house or whatever. But last year and the year before that, you got to experience it a little bit. What are the Cleveland Browns fans like? Is it as awesome as I imagine with how loyal they are? Oh, 100%. I learned, I learned that quick. You know, I, I didn't know much about Cleveland at all coming up here. Um, my rookie year, but I was always at Georgia. You know, Georgia has, you know, a huge fan base too. And Cleveland's the same way, probably even more rowdy and more loyal. And, I mean, uh, first game, they were out there uh, my rookie year against Pittsburgh, and they were loving it. They were loud, intense. It was a great atmosphere. Okay. Well, we're happy you joined us, man. Hope you do it again. Uh, obviously, you make the right football move whenever you got to make the football move. And don't you worry about these stooges, okay, yeah. on the Internet. <laughs> I got you. Appreciate it for having me. Thanks for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, stud running back for the Browns, Nick Chubb. Thank you. Joined by a man who is a teammate of his, has 200 yards and three touchdowns in the last two games. Whoa. Is that good? You tell me. Ran a 4-3-7 at the combine. Fifth round pick out of USF for the Green Bay Packers wide receiver, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Hey, MVS coming to us live from a big house in Green Bay. We appreciate you, boss man. Appreciate y'all having Do you hate the nickname MVS, or have you been called that your entire life, I'd assume? Nah, I'll quit. It's always been my... Hey, are you on a phone right now? Yeah. Can you tilt it a little bit? Because when you talk, it goes into the speaker, and it's cutting you out. Nailed it. There we go. How about that? Hey, no problem at all, man. When you have... 200 yards and three touchdowns in the last two games. You can do whatever the fuck you want. You, hear me? I mean, you know what I mean? You can do whatever you want. Hey, uh, let's talk about the deep ball you scored in this last game. Did you purposely set the ref up for failure there, you think? Uh, no. Got caught in the 
Oh, man. Hold on. We're going to call you back, MVS. It wasn't just the phone. We'll call you back. It was a connection right. thing. He's cutting out every single second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His house is very nice, though. It's like, gorgeous. That place Beautiful is house. gorgeous. What a, whoever did the interior design over there, fantastic job. Is that? Could, no. Could was be. it? Was yeah. It, Look, it the stuff be. on the wall. Is walls? that an A.J. Hawk? Uh, oh. I wonder if that is Mrs. Hawk's house design or whatever. He's joining us. MVS. How's it going, man? Can you hear me now? Yeah, you sound really good, actually, too. Thanks for joining us, man. How cold is it in Green Bay right now? Pretty chilly, yeah? Cold as fuck. Yeah. I can fathom, man. It's, that's that's kind of like one of those places where the frozen tundra is no joke. I think when we played there, it was like in the teens or in the tens, and it gets cold there early. You've had a great couple games, a great career there thus far, great season this year. Uh, let's go back to you setting that ref up for failure. We didn't hear your answer there because did you see him there, and did you use him as a pick, which sometimes can happen with an umpire? Fire. Um, I was going to do the same move with the defender. Um, he kind of just got hit by a stray bullet. <laughs> <laughs> um, this year, you've really come into your own here, right? You're coming into your third year. Now, granted, you've had flashes of greatness and everything like that, but now we're in the second year in this LaFleur offense. Uh, are, are you a little bit more comfortable in the offense? Are you a little bit more excited every week? What, it, what has it been this year, you think, that has caused a couple big-time breakout-like performances from MVS? Um, Growing as a player, you know, just being able to use all my strengths and uh, obviously learning from you know, Devontae Adams and having Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback. You know, I can't really ask for you know, a, a better duo to, to show me the ropes. Uh, but just, just growing as a guy and, and just continuing to get better every single day. It's not easy to make that transition from college to the NFL. Everybody thinks, like, if you play well on the field, it's like, oh, he'll be good on the field. It's like, yeah, but also being a professional is a whole nother world. I mean, that is – it really changes from the day to day. What has life been like differently from USF uh, to Green Bay, Wisconsin? I would imagine that's quite a leap of lifestyle. Uh, I can tell you the, the weather for one. Um, it's uh, – we don't really have winters in Florida. So, you know. <laughs> have to wake up and, and shovel the driveway is something that I had to get used to for sure. Um, but, you know, just having to, you know, grow as a, as a man and do everything on your own. Um, in college, everything's you know, structured for you and, and broken down um, from the moment you wake up to the time you go to sleep. And then just having to transition to, to be a professional and, and be an adult is kind of, you know, what it is. I'm going from college to, to the pros. Have you grown in confidence, you think, in the NFL? Because that's a, something like a lot of people I see say about you. Every, every time we have a guest on, I like to go on Twitter and just search, right? And then I just I scroll through what people say or whatever, because then whenever I'm talking to you, I know what some people potentially think. And I think what a lot of people have, uh, have said about you, maybe as a Packers fan, it's like whenever MVS is feeling confident and whenever he's in there, he is an absolute weapon. Has that been anything that's crossed your mind? Like, has your confidence grown, you think, through your time here in the NFL? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy we just debunked that. I'm happy we just debunked that. Yeah, and that you see on Twitter, fake news. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, my confidence has, has always been high. Um, you know, I, I know I could play in this league for a long time. Um, and, you know, it's just you're going to have mishaps. You're not going to always you know, catch every single football. You're not going to make every single play. We're human. Um, but, you know, my confidence level has, has been through the roof since the day I walked in because I know I'm talented. Um, I know I work hard and I know that, you know, I'm intelligent when it comes to, you know, playing football. So, you know, those things, you know, will never, you know, change no matter what the situation is, you know, on the football field. Ah, uh, it's great to hear, by the way. Me. I'll tell you what, if I was wide receiver, I was like 
I was scared to even have one ball potentially drop when I was holding it because I thought my brain would tell me every time I went on the field, like, oh, you're going to fucking drop this immediately. <laughs> like, that, was, that was something that I did not have, so I'm thankful that you do have it. What have you learned from Aaron Rodgers or Devontae Adams? Is there any, like, actual pinpoint things you can say? Like, you know what? Devontae taught me uh, this particular drill that has helped me in this or this workout schedule or this life routine or same thing with Aaron. Anything in particular or is it just kind of as a whole you try to act like a sponge? No, nah, I think, I mean, obviously you want to be a sponge with, you know, two of the best guys in the NFL. Um, but, you know, from the day I walked in, you know, those, those guys kind of, you know, instilled in, you know, practice habits. Because, you know, when coming into, you know, the NFL, everyone doesn't have the same practice habits. You come from, you know, all different places and you got to kind of gel with the team and, and figure out, you know, what guys want to do and how guys practice. And you know, every team isn't the same. And so, you know, we, we have a standard that we set here, you know, on how we practice. And that's always been, a, you know, our, our go-to. And I think with Devontae, I mean, obviously he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. Let's and go! Yeah! Having a, a guy like that in your, in your room to, you know, be able to show you, you know, the ropes and be a leader about, you know, just on and off the field. Because he's not one of those prima donna wide receivers who complains about anything. You know, he, he has the same work ethic every single day. You know, he doesn't sit out of practices or, or anything like that. You know, he's going to give it his all every single time. And you couldn't ask for a better guy to you know, show you, you know, how to play football. That conversation of who's the best at any position, there it, it's kind of impossible to do because of everything that goes into being the best in a team sport at one particular position. So I like that Devontae Adams, by the way, his name has now been thrust into that conversation, though, for a long time because of what you're talking about, how he's just kind of quiet, he works, he does his own thing. It seems like, you know, uh, what, what do they say? The squeaky wheel gets the oil. It feels like whenever there's a lot of noise coming from a they automatically are in a conversation, either for good or for bad. For Devontae, there's never been any noise, so it's like he doesn't really, he gets forgotten about. But what he's able to do is unthinkable. So I'm very, do you have a yeah. dog? What, what's the name of the dog? What type of dog is it? Ace. Uh, he's a Pomsky. Come here. Hey, come here. Don't don't yeah. shit in the house. Come here. <laughs> Go get him. Yeah, yeah. What type of dog is it? He's a Pomsky. Half husky, half Pomeranian. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, Pomsky. Oh, yeah. Pomeranian is a little tiny little mm-hmm. dog. Small little thing. And a husky is a big, big ass dog. Oh, yeah. So you combine the two. That's a Imagine. Dog. I don't want to think about oh. that. Oh. Wow. What's the name? Ace. Ace, what's going on? Ace, is this your first pet? Big Ace? Uh, yeah, he's my first pet. What have you been? How old? He's three. Cool. Oh man, is that your little homie, huh? He he's uh, he hangs out with you up there in Green Bay, I'd assume. He keeps, he keeps me company. What was it like the first couple of months? Just an absolute nightmare. A lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Well, the, the first couple of months wasn't bad because it was uh, the, the weather was nice. He didn't get too hot. Uh, but the, the next couple of months, when it started to get cold, that was the, that was the rough part. Yeah, I could have fat. I didn't even know a palm ski existed. Look at Ace though with the bow tie, getting ready for the holiday season here. You see him. It is a Gucci bow tie on Ace right there. <laughs> Ace might be the most swagged out dog I've ever seen. Shout out to Green Bay for owning Ace there, having Ace. Uh, MVS, what are you doing in the off season? Yeah, I'm assuming you don't live in Green Bay full time. Nah, I do not live in Green yeah, Bay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, smart by the way. <laughs> but uh, I do a lot of uh, video games. Uh, that's kind of what my passion is when I'm not uh, playing football. Um, I like to cook. I like to shop. Um, I'm into fashion and the shoes. So those are really like, you know, my, my go-to things. And then we go to the dog park every day. 
You're oh, nice. good, good dad, by the yeah, way. Um, let's talk about. There's a lot of people that knew you were a Call of Duty guy in here. They're excited to hear about that. We got some Call of Duty good people dude. in here. Love killing fake people, sniping them all, all day, every day. That's awesome. You like to do that. Uh, I do not personally. Have, my thumbs don't work. But the um, the fashion thing. I always wondered how people get into fashion because, like Travis Kelsey, for instance, he is super into fashion. His outfits are awesome but then i started thinking i'm like how do you get to this point so like whenever you were imagining um like life whenever you had money were you like all right this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna be uh the freshest dresser i'm gonna have a dog that wears a gucci fucking bow tie i'm gonna have a, like what is, is that kind of how it all came together yeah i mean when you uh don't got it when you're uh, younger you want to have everything and so when you got the opportunity to get whatever you want you go out and get it <laughs> that's smart man what have you done any like have you gone any fashion shows or anything like that um, I haven't actually been to any fashion shows. I wanted to go to the uh, fashion show in New York, but um, didn't get to make it out last year. Um, and so I think I, I think once because they're never really in our off season time. So uh, whenever I can find one that's actually during the, the off season, I'm definitely going to make an appearance to one for sure. I hope you make a line of clothes. I hope you get into that Ooh. at some point. And we would like free stuff, by the way. <laughs> We would. I mean, it's the least we could do. MVS, you have a couple dogs uh, in the secondary up there. Like, how much have those guys helped you in terms of just getting better, having to compete with those guys? Yeah, I mean, when you beat them every day. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, but, you know, I think we got a, a great tandem of, of corners in our um, our secondary with Kevin and Jaya. Um, you know, Kevin's been battling some injuries as of lately. But, you know, with those two guys healthy, I think that, you know, we got the, the best you know, secondary, you know, in the NFL. And I think those guys just coming out and, and competing every single day, you know, for the last three years that I've been here, especially me and Jair, um, we came in at the same draft class and we compete all the time. We did all our one-on-one reps together. Like, we, we go at it all the time. Um, and just having, you know, just two dog-like mentalities go at it, you're only going to get better. Uh, what has it been like watching LaFleur kind of come into his own as a head coach here in his second year? Now, granted, you're young, too, so you don't really know much of anything different. But has there been a noticeable difference between LaFleur last year to this year? Um, I don't really think it's been a, a, a difference. I think, you know, just him being a, a head coach for the first time, um, you know, there's a lot of learning for him as well. Um, and then having a, a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who's been in the league forever and did everything right, um, has definitely you know, helped him out. In that regard, um, we have a you know a solid foundation of a of leadership, you know, on you know your team. I think it's easy to be a head coach when it when it comes to that. Uh, when I was teammates with uh, the sheriff Peyton, uh, Peyton, if he wanted something done, like he would he would voice it. Now he wasn't like a bad teammate or anything, but if he was like we should be doing this instead of this, like Peyton obviously was empowered to be able to say those things because he's Peyton Manning and yeah. that's the way he was. Is Aaron a vocal person in practice and meetings, or is he always kind of the chill, cool guy, like personal relationship more so than in front he's of everyone? He's always the, the chill, cool guy, um, but he also, you know, knows offenses, he knows defenses, and they have a great relationship where they can talk about what they think is going to work and what's not going to work. And I think that's what's so special about, you know, this offense and, you know, their dynamic of how they can, you know, communicate with one another about, you know, what things they like, what things they don't like, or how this is going to work, or who should be running this route, or who should be doing these things. So I think that's just the best part about, you know, having a, a MVP quarterback and a a good offensive-minded head coach who are going to go in and, and work together to create a good you know, scheme for the week. You got nothing for him. Well, I was going to ask about LaFleur, but I was listening, so I don't want to, you know, ask <laughs> yeah! the same question. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank MBS, you. you don't know the show that much. The guy that just spoke there normally doesn't listen to a word anybody says, and then he asks a follow-up question. It's what you just yeah, mentioned. Usually, so that yeah. was a pretty monumental moment for our show that you were part of. We appreciate you being a part of that. Nick, what do you got? Perfect. I don't know if you hear it or not, but there's a lot of chatter about the Packers should add weapons. They need more weapons for air, and they need more receivers. Do you hear that? Does that bother you? Does that motivate you? Uh, no, that provides no motivation for me. <laughs> I'm just, I really care less about what anybody outside of my building has to say. Preach! Um, like I said, I, I know we're talented. I know that um, we can go out and, and be successful. I mean, you look at our, you know, our offense and, and what we've done. On a week in a week out basis, there's been a you know a few games where we didn't you know put up a good amount of points or whatever. But other than that, man, we've been we've been rolling, and I think that everybody in our room is you know great, and I think everybody on our offensive side of the ball can can get it done. Hey, we appreciate you wearing the dropping dimes and suck it sign shirt. Yeah, I? man, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, so do we, man. It was very, it was awesome. It was we got like. I got no less than 500 to 1,000 tweets probably within you doing it, so I appreciate you so much. And, I mean, there's people saying it. We would never say it. It seems like since wearing said shirt, things have – you know what I mean? Something to think I about. need to keep wearing it then, huh? Yeah! yeah. We'll ship you more stuff. We're into yeah. fashion, too. It's a bit more basic. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers, Marquez Valdez-Scanley. Thank you. Yeah. So sorry to interrupt. I want to let you know that there's a sunglass company out there that's doing business better than everybody else. Mm -hmm. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company, so they are not just some big corporation that overcharges for shades. No, 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 no. Everyone knows that sunglasses are way overpriced and all come from the same goddamn factory, so stop letting people screw you over with the pricing and turn to our friends at Shady Rays. Wish I would have known that a couple months ago. Yep. See that? Mm -hmm. Shady Rays uh, is out to do it differently with premium polarized shades at a fraction of the big name brand cost. Really? What are some of your favorite fractions? Uh, one eighth. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. I think half normally is uh, the crowd pleaser. Yeah, definitely. Three fourths. Oh, you're talking about three fourths. Now, three quarters is a good one. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people talk about four fifths, but that is a pretty important one. 80 20 one is well. normally how a lot of things are separated. Mm -hmm. Seven eighths. Now we're talking about small little numbers there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I hate the idiots that are like eight tenths. <laughs> it's like, no, dude. It's four fifths. Divide those, okay? Fucking have a little respect for math. Simplify it. I didn't know what that word was. I forgot what that. Simplify those things. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Shady Rays is doing business and only charging a fraction. Whatever fraction is your favorite, that implies that it's a lot less than the other shit at a fraction of the price. Great people. Shady Rays has also one of the best warranties in all of anything. Really? They'll replace your shades if they're lost or broken for any reason at all. Wow. They will replace your shades for any reason. It doesn't matter if you... Step on them. It doesn't matter if you... Drop them in the pool and lose them. Pools, most pools are closed, but maybe down in the south. It doesn't matter if you... Uh, you know, roll over them with your car. Oh, that's possible, too. Mm-hmm. Because you know what you do, you get out of the, you get, it's in your pocket, you get out of the car, it falls out of your pocket, you don't know that you put them under there, you get in your car the next day, you back up, what happens? You crunch them. It doesn't matter if you do that, or if you... Your dog eats them? Yeah, possible. Tears them apart? It doesn't matter if you... You know, they slide out of your pocket and you just lose them in your car, can't find them? It doesn't matter if whenever you're going to take a shit, it falls out of your pocket, goes in the toilet, got a bunch of poop on it now? Yep, doesn't matter. Doesn't, doesn't matter. matter, somebody steals them. 
Oh, which does happen. All the time. Not John Jones' house, but <laughs> somebody tried to steal John Jones' Shady Rays' glasses out of his car. John Jones came sprinting out of the garage with a shotgun. <laughs> Tell you what, not sure there's many other houses that would be worse to try to break into than John Bones Jones. Maybe Brock Lesnar's? Yeah. The Rock? Well, you're not breaking into Rock's house. True. Anyways, they stand behind their product and told our team that if anyone has a problem with anything, they throw a profit out the window and do what it takes to get it right. Shady Rays also provides 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every single order placed and have already provided over 10 million meals to date. Subtle flex there by how many uh, orders they've gotten, but also taking care of the world. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, doing God's work. Exclusively for listeners of this show, they have the best deal they have to offer. This is a big sale Friday level deal. Wow. Use code McAfee, M-C-A-F-E-E, and get 25% off any pair of shades at ShadyRays.com. You can get a quality polarized pair of sunglasses for as low as $36 with this deal. Redeem only at ShadyRays.com, S-H-A-D-Y-R-A-Y-S.com, where you can find all their newest and best Shades. Shout out to Shady Rays, taking care of you and the world, however they can. Mm-hmm. Back to the show. Uh, before we get to that real quick, I would like to address uh, the Pat McAfleet thing. Yeah, uh, sure. Okay. The greatest thing that ever happened to social media has happened this morning. Mm-hmm. To Twitter. Yeah, you got TikTok, and then you had IG stories, and they're basically the same goddamn thing, okay? Mm-hmm. Just in different platforms. Instagram was like, hey, I see what you guys are doing over there. Uh, we'd like to do that. We'd like to make things disappear. And we'd like to be, uh, you know, much more quick. And, it, and then they created reels over on Instagram. And what you need to know is when these social media platforms create something or duplicate something or completely mimic somebody else, they want to feel as if they're the smartest people on earth. So they're just going to promote the living shit out of it. Oh, yeah. If you remember IG stories, whenever they were created, they were forced into your timeline without you even knowing it. You're clicking on it. You're watching a story. You're like, what is this? They're like, hey, welcome to story. <laughs> it is TikTok, but just on our platform, but it's better. It's everything like that. And it's kind of transformed. Then the reels started happening on Instagram. And every you go into the little magnifying glass thing, you scroll through there. It's just reel after reel after reel. Yep. And it's hard to exit. You can't even get out of them. They make it impossible to get out. If you swipe down, it sends you to another one instead of out of there. I mean, Instagram was force feeding you these things. Well, you know, Twitter's about to do the same goddamn thing. And we all need to get on train. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Fleet is IG stories. It is TikTok. It is Snapchat, but on Twitter. And I will tell you, this about the twitter fleet thing yeah it's very very amateur in comparison to the other two sure. yeah, it might be elementary and of course you know there's no filters to change anything no. and, yeah. and the sizes can't change and mm. it's 30 seconds max and it, there's a lot of elementary features you can't really share them or anything like that they'll work on it yeah. we cannot delete the fleet we are a much larger show on twitter uh than anywhere else and i love twitter it's my favorite platform and i saw a lot of people shitting on fleet because yeah it's a mockery of everything else and it's not as good as everything else i just want to let you know that this particular office stands firm in our stance we skate skate on the fleet fleet to the house fleet fleet motherfucker to the house fleet fleet goddamn joining us now uh kicker for the detroit lions who i hope he starts fleeting ladies and gentlemen matt prater that a boy matt a what's up pat how you doing Hey, I'm good, man. How are you? You were jacked good. after that 59 yarder, by the way. That yeah, I haven't seen, <laughs> I haven't seen that type of passion out of you. I think in a long time. Even when you threw the touchdown, there was like a quick celebration, but you had to kick the extra point immediately afterwards. So you were pumped after that 59 yarder, and I was too. I was dancing around my house for you, pal. 
I appreciate it. Yeah, I was I was pumped. It's cool. Anytime you get a shot at a long one like that for the win, it's awesome. Um, you know, not only for the win of the game, but also it took the lead in the free Bud Light for the city thing against Brandon McManus. Did you have an eye on that whenever you were lining up to kick it? That was the first thing I thought about. <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, pretty much. Within two minutes after, I think Jack uh, Fox said something. He's like, dude, you're winning the beer challenge now. So um, it's pretty cool. I ended up talking to Sam and McManus, and I think the first thing McManus said was, uh, you're, you're winning the Bud Light right now. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good thing. Yeah. Not, not a lot of things just get handed out to all the people of Detroit. You know, like that's no, a right. big deal. Never. If you, yeah. you get Bud Light for everybody, that's something to really rally behind. You're also a guy that uses the uh, sniffing salts before kicks. Not everybody does it, by the way. You, Goskowski, uh, I think a couple other people do. But you've really made it famous. And do you, <laughs> do you know that you're, what, 16 and 0 or 16 for 16? What is the exact? I, I got the update. It's that 22 of 22 of game tying or go-ahead field goals under two minutes. What do you do? Do you just become like a robot Whoa. in those situations? Is there anything different from those kicks of other kicks? Like, what is the big thing for people that are maybe younger kickers that are watching in those moments? Like, because that's where you're going to be judged upon ultimately at the end of the day. It's why Vinatieri is the GOAT. It's why people will always talk about that is because those big. You're 22 for 22 in those situations. Is there any difference in any other ball? Or what do you try to do other than just sniff the shit out of those smelling salts <laughs> i definitely definitely hit that smelling salt like one extra time maybe i don't know i wish i wish i knew what i did different but um yeah i've missed way too many kicks this year besides at the end of the game um yeah i don't i don't really know i just kind of get in the zone and just expect to make it just like every other kick i don't try to overthink it or do anything different did you think you hit this one a little fat for sure yeah I, caught, I, I, I you know anytime you line up for a kick like that 59 you got the juices flowing so I think I actually caught a little ground, and then it made me hit a little fat, but I, I, I don't really care. It went in on <laughs> <laughs> I was watching it because you have a ball. It starts out left, and then it comes back right. Like, that's the ball you hit. And I think it's because you hit it so hard. Every You were hitting, it feels like, a 70-yarder, even whenever it's like a 30-yard field goal. You slaughter the football. It is awesome to watch you attack that thing. Yeah, I, I, that's the only way I know how to do it. When I start trying to finesse it, I start spraying it even more than I do swinging hard. So I try to swing hard on everything. Any thought on why you have had a couple misses? Is it because of a new holder who, by the way, that dude slaughters footballs. It's a lot of fun to watch him punt, Jack. He's Buck. killing it. Yeah, he's very – has that been anything about it, or is it just – No, nah, it's just – I think any time with anything you do, you're going to have ups and downs. And, you know, it, it. I haven't missed any, like, super short ones, but definitely all the kicks I've missed I should have made. It's just – I don't know, one of those things you try to learn from it and not repeat the same mistakes, but, uh, you know, I've missed more kicks than I have in a while, so – Kind of frustrating, but all you can do is keep grinding, keep kicking, and keep sweet, you know, kicking the shit out of it, and hopefully it'll straighten out. Hey, your next kick's your best kick, dude. Hell yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the team. Okay, that's a big win against Washington there. And I would assume a lot of fans, whenever they're watching out of the lines, are like, Alex Smith is a fairy tale story. Of course. Alex Smith's comeback game starting after 700 days is against us, and he had 400 yards and going to do this. And then you went out there and just stole the joy completely out of that story. Do you have any comments about that? I'm, I'm, I'm real curious to know what he said after, you know, because right after the TV copy, right after that field goal, the walk-off, it showed him just sitting on the sideline, kind of shaking his head, and he said, this mother something. <laughs> something. I don't know. I, I was trying to lip-read it. I, I have no idea. I'm real curious to know what he said. 
What was the feeling like in the locker room? You guys have been – just like last year, there's a lot of games that could have won either way. Now you guys are winning some games. There's still a lot of season left. Everything is still in front of you, obviously, especially getting that win in the fashion you did last week. But it feels like the games you've lost even, there's a chance we could have won these games. How is the mindset in there? Because last time we talked, I forget, to you or maybe to Amendola, it's like we know that we have a good team. It's just whether or not we can get over that hump. It feels like there has been some games where you have. There has been. What do you think it needs to take in that locker room to kind of go to the next place? I think I think just keep doing what we're doing, and you know I don't think we've played a complete game yet this year um, on all three phases. And I think just doing what we're doing, and we know we have a good team. We have more than enough talent. Um, we've got confidence in the coaches and everyone else in the building. It's just it's just we got to do it, put it all together, and you know get these wins. And you know it's cool having to walk up, but at the end of the day, win's a win. It's the same on the on the on the record. So yeah, we're super pumped. But now we got to you know move on and focus on uh, the Panthers. Matt, the Washington football team left you guys 16 seconds to march down the field and kick a field goal. Was there ever any doubt when you saw that much time on the clock that Matthew Stafford wasn't going to get down the field for you to get a chance? Hey, that's a diehard Lions fan, by the way, Evan Fox. Yeah, for sure. Not any time, like, I feel like with Stafford, if you give that guy, I don't care if it's 10 seconds with a touchback, that guy's going to get us in at least close to field goal range. Every single time, he's, he's unreal in those situations. He always sets it up and gives me a chance to try to, you know, see, you know, win the game or whatnot but anytime since i've been in detroit it's you know we need stafford to make something happen on offense and he he always gets the job done i feel like let's talk about jack fox because it makes no sense i thought he would have uh kind of mustered out by now i thought his leg would die off (laughs) he still just kills the ball i mean he slaughters footballs up there in detroit he crushes it dude he's got he's got the best mindset too i don't i've never seen a young guy punter that does kickoffs as well that during the game, I don't think he uses the net one time. He just sits there, chills. He's super confident. Um, yeah, he's killing it. He's hit. I, th- I think he's had a, over a five-second kick every single game so far. This last game, I think three of his four punts were five-two plus. It's it's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, for those that don't know what that means, that is better than everybody else in the NFL right now. <laughs> that, that's what that is. For those that like, if I got over five in a game, uh, it was like, hey, that was a big ball. And I don't want to say. I didn't do it on a regular basis because I did, but it was like not every single game in three balls being over 5-2 is stupid. That is – does he just – in practice too, those balls – is it a different sound coming off of that dude's foot? Yeah, he hits it. He crushes it. Practice, games, he's he's awesome. He's just crushing it. He's, 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 he's got a, obviously a big leg, and he's found that rhythm and the groove, and he's just staying right in it. And it's like anything else, man. He's got that confidence and being consistent with it, so he's just keep it going. Feels like Matt Patricia loves special teams too. For sure, he's he's super involved in special teams. Oh, man, I hope you guys win games, dude. This guy, <laughs> hey, I hope you continue to win for your life. Obviously, like that is your life. For sure, but this guy's life right here, Evan oh, Fox. Dude, he it is tough to watch and tough to handle <laughs> him after a heartbreaker. Or on the flip side, whenever you guys get a big win, it's like all right, this guy's a whole new person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an absolute roller coaster, Matt. But I'll tell you what, the greatest thing in Lions franchise history really might be you giving the city of Detroit free beer. (laughs) (laughs) You're a hero, dude. You might get a statue up there in Detroit. Matt, good luck against the Panthers. Is that at home or away? It's away. Hey, that Joey Sly guy kills footballs, too. I'm excited to see him in pregame. See see what he's doing. I'm going to try to hang with the young guy. 
See, people don't even know that in pregame there is a little thing going on, and uh, it's awesome to watch. You know, where you'll you'll see where the other person goes from, and you watch, and then you're like, all right, let's see what we got here, and then you go from there, and then if Joey Sly, which I assume he will, I think you two will potentially do like a little uh, one of these things Ooh. for a little bit back there. And I'm, Benz, you know what? Uh, we kind of go out and kick the field goals early. And I know the guys we've been playing have been watching, so I'll always end with a 60-yarder with the snap and hold. <laughs> I think it's been three weeks in a row. The other team lines up, and instead of doing a 60-yarder, they do 61. Oh, yeah. It is. Like, it is. Dude, am I going to have to get Mule and Jack back out here to go to 62? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, I used to uh, – if there was a punter that I didn't really respect or whatever, I would um, – we'd line up next to each other where we were punting, and I would go five yards behind them. Or whatever, you know? And then I would just, as soon as he punt, I'm punting at the same time. And then exactly where his is heading. And then it's still floating above him or whatever. Ooh. And then it goes down or whatever. And then he moves to the other side. And I just go to the other side and five yards behind. <laughs> it is quite a little, it didn't happen often. But it is quite a little game that you can really mentally fuckery with somebody. It is awesome to be a part of. All right, What's cool. It? I like doing that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, 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 I thought so. What do you got, Fox? Matt, on Sunday with 16 seconds left, what was the line? How far back were you guys going to try that game-winning field goal? Um, honestly, I don't. I don't know. Um, if we would have stayed at the 50, I was I was feeling really good. Um, and I think I think if we would have been at the 50, I think I still would have had a shot at making it. Okay, so you have the record right now, right? 64. Yeah. That would have been 68, and you're just like, no problem. How old are you? 36. Oh, so you're not even slowing down. You like the legs not slowing down at all. I don't know, a little I don't know. I, I don't know. I dropped some weight and changed up a few things. I feel pretty good right now. I feel, I feel my leg feels better than it has in the last five years for sure. Wow, dude, are you eating avocado ice cream and shit out there? No, nah, it's it's nice. It's not just what I'm eating, man. It's just workouts and everything else. Hey, you're gonna go for another five, ten years, huh? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. As long, I don't know. Kicking straight's always been the hard part, so if I can figure out how to kick them between the puppy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Detroit Lions, NFL record holder for longest field goal in history, Matt Prater. Thank you. Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to us. And if you made it this far, very, very thankful for you. I mean, that's four interviews and conversation. Yeah, today's show is going to be a long one. Yeah, so if you're here, just know that we appreciate the living shit out of you. Hashtag end the pod squad. Uh, We'll give away... Uh, we're giving away 10,000 because of the yep. mm-hmm. hashtag. I don't know why I listen, Pat. Still waiting on a couple people to email or DM me back and let me know that they got those. Otherwise, I'm going to have to pick a couple new people. But yeah, pretty much everyone's been contacted. Hashtag end of pod squad. If you're listening at this point, that means you are one of our rider dives. Mm-hmm. I will be giving away another couple thousand. If you use it, Ty will be ciphering through all the comments that have it and randomly selecting winners. I believe mm-hmm. that's how you do it. Yep. And we appreciate you. We'll be back tomorrow with a great Wednesday. Our guest tomorrow, wow. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, you thought today was a loaded show. <laughs> Wednesday's always loaded. Full, the, full clip tomorrow's show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> boom, 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 bang. That's the show. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music. Thanks to all the guests for their time. Thanks to all of you for listening. Hashtag end of pod squad. Thanks to all the boys for the energy. Uh, and we'll see you tomorrow. Be a friend, tell a friend. Ty, please play some independent music to propel these people into the greatest Tuesday of all time.
Thank you.